Hey, who fans, welcome to the Big Blue Box Podcast. My name's Gary. My name's Adam. And we're at episode 157. Yeah. Have you ever thought what it's like to be wanderers in the fourth dimension? Nobody in the universe can do what we're doing. I've reversed the polarity of the neutron flow, so the TARDIS should be free of the force field now. There's no point in being grown up if you can't be childish sometimes. The trouble with time travel is one never seems to find the time. Change, my dear. And it seems on a moment too soon. Unlimited rice pudding, etc., etc. I am the doctor. Great men are forged in fire. It is the privilege of lesser men to light the flame. I'm the doctor. This is Rose Tyler. She's my plus one. Is that all right? That would be me. Hello. Surprise. Boom. Etc. I'm the doctor. Do everything I tell you. Don't ask stupid questions. And don't wander off. How can you kidneys? I don't like the colour. Howdy do, who fans? We're back. Yee, we're back. Back in the saddle, as it were. (laughs) Welcome to 157. Keeping you entertained and informed and all that stuff while there's no new Doctor Who happening. Although, there's been a few little updates and stuff going on over the last week or so, Mm. which we'll get on to soon. Yeah, but we hope you've all had a cracking week and that you've managed to do something Doctor Who related. Related, yes. It's been an interesting week not having a podcast today. It quite, has. been quite it nice. Has been. Yeah. <laughs> not, not having to listen to you for a week. Oh, it's been nice. How cruel. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, what, what would I normally be doing now on a Wednesday? Oh, yeah, be listening to him bang on about something <laughs> old ads banging on i i jest of course I, probably I about you. my building work i missed you mainly about how it's not been <laughs> still not done yeah did you well what did you get up to on your your luxury week off oh it's me to go first is it yeah uh, i haven't really done too much i'll be honest with you i've just been a combination of seething angry very miffed at the at the at the closing of the Doctor Who experience. Oh, no, I know. I yeah. saw people were tweeting the picture of the sign being taken down, weren't they? This sort of... Uh, yeah, yeah. I was just like, oh, no, it's actually it's like, it's like actually happening. Like, it's one thing to to know it's coming, yeah. but another to see it actually being taken down. I was like, they're not wasting any time. It's literally the right. day after, wasn't it? Yeah. Or whatever, yeah. It's terrible. And it's some it's a part of me wishes that I'd have sort of changed my plans to get over there for the last day really because apparently it was really busy and they had some cool people there and yeah and it was all going on but um yeah i was away unfortunately but did you watch um, any of the uh live streams that hmm. crystal and um what's his name the other guy i forgot his uh, name luke. was it luke spillane yeah luke, yeah, yeah they, they did a few cool. little live streams um during the day didn't they which were quite cool because um they were sort of just working their way through the crowds and crystal got a, a funny Mr. Clever thing put on her face and it was just, yeah, it's just nice to sort of see what was going on on the last day and be, feel like a part of it and stuff. I thought, yeah, it was, it's, I'm just really miffed. I mean, I know it's, um, you know, I, I know it, these things, all good things come to an end, don't they? Mm. You know, that's the way to look at it. And, and, and I don't know, it just seems really because they've, 
continuously get so many people through the door still mm. it, it's annoying me that they've that the, the cardiff council haven't done more to sort of save it because it really is one of the you know it's, it's one of the attractions you go to when you go to cardiff i mean what the I've, i think I've, I've been there three times over the years and every time i've been there i've seen obviously doctor who fans but i've also seen a lot of people who are not particularly you know big doctor who fans but they're there with their other halves or with friends or whatever and you mm. can tell they're having a really cool time and they just get so many people through the door so i can understand if the if the staff were just there twiddling their thumbs and they've got nobody coming in <laughs> yeah. uh, you know and they're like this is ridiculous we're not doing anything we're not making any money let's just close it but it's still really popular and they still uh, get a lot of people there and it's just heartbreaking I know, but I can't help but feel it's all part of the master plan, mate. I, I, I just got this feeling. I mean, it is really sad. I mean, don't get me wrong. It it's definitely feels like it's natural home because it's right next to the studios and stuff. But I don't know. There's a bigger change coming. I think and, so. Uh, yeah. And I just can't help but think, you know, these things get planned really far in advance. So it makes me wonder where they're going to go with it because I, I'm pretty sure, you know, those in the know know what they're doing and you know it's i'm sure it's going to pop up somewhere else absolutely convinced um i'll tell you what what was great to see though on the last day um was uh, that a lot of the there was a lot of surprise appearances by mm. like um, chris chibnall just turned up with his family and was wandering around and apparently had loads of selfies with fans and um i know a couple of people that were lucky enough to meet him on the day and just said, Oh, he was lovely. He was just like, he was there with his family, but he was like really engaging with fans and happy to chat and seems like really buzzing about the new series. So I was like, wow, that's cool. So it's great to see like our new showrunner, um, you mm. know, get having his picture with lots of fans and stuff there. Who else did they have there? They had uh, Jamie, I've forgotten his name now, played the mummy in mummy on the express. And he's been, he's done oh. loads of extra. He was like a yeah. cyber man. Um, mm -hmm. he was there. Uh, Mike Tucker, the guy who's been doing a lot of the restoration team. It's quite fascinating listening to him. They did a little interview of him talking about the um, the Yeti, and he was saying that he replaced the light bulbs in its eyes and stuff. So that was really cool to hear him just talking about the work he's done and and stuff. So, yeah, it was good. It's just nice to see, like, a few Hugh people there. Um, Peter Capaldi recorded a message, didn't he, just saying goodbye and, you know, thanks for everything and i can't remember i didn't I, i've done if you've seen the video somebody put it on youtube uh just a, just a little private message from peter because he couldn't be there so that was pretty cool um i don't know i was kind of expecting jody to be there but she wasn't but maybe it might have been a bit full-on for her because obviously the yeah, place yeah. packed with, with mm. fans and stuff so but yeah i think it was a, it looks like it got a good send-off uh, at the end of the day which is which is great it did you know yeah. and uh, i don't think we've seen the last of it mate that's this gonna pop up yeah somewhere. I hope so, because there was a lot of talk, wasn't there, when they announced it was closing mm. and were they going to relocate it somewhere, uh, which we obviously haven't heard any news about that yeah. as yet. Um, but I also want to give a shout out to um, Bex Faraday. Faraday, you might have heard of her. She was the um, she was the Whovian that set up the petition um, oh, to try and get it yeah. saved. So uh, she did a cracking job, and uh, I think... At the end, there was just under, just shy of 13,000 signatures that she she managed to, wow. to get on there. <laughs> and she put a really cool um, video up, a, I think it was about two or three months ago now, where she printed out every signature. She printed all of them out and put this big sort of pack together. 
And she mm. went to the Who experience and she delivered it to the manager there and she had like a little meeting with him. And um, and I think he was he was quite touched really because she, she went on to tell him that loads of people actually find that the Who experience is like a cool place to go to kind of escape you know just as you, you know just as watching yeah. doctor who is a form of escapism she mm. found she she heard from a lot of people who signed the petition to say that you know their their son or daughter that was autistic um you know absolutely loves it there because for some reason they're just really calm there and they love it and mm -hmm. it, it basically it just touches a lot of people in a way that you wouldn't expect it's not yeah, just a yeah. place where you go and look at doctor who props because you want to geek out it's got mm. a bit more of a, a meaning to it so that's really nice so a big shout out to bex i know she didn't you know achieve the goal of saving the place because i think you know the wheels are already in motion by that that point but, but at least yeah. she gave it a good old try so yeah good shout out to bex for that but yeah, I, like you say, I think changes are a coming. I'm, I'm hoping that they're going to announce something probably next year by the you know, likelihood of these things. But, you know, mm. as long as it doesn't go to as long as it doesn't go to London. Really? You know, because, I don't mind if it comes to London. Well, I thought initially I thought that I thought, well, why don't they just put it back in London? Because mm. the footfall and everything. But I don't know. There's just something special about it not being in London, if that makes sense, because because the show's rarely made in London. Yeah, yeah, you know, it, it, there's something cool about having it somewhere else. I don't know, but no, no, I get you. I mean, it, it feels like it's natural home because it's it's right where they film it, and obviously you have to, you know, you can walk across the Mermaid Key, and I mean mm -hmm. that's so prominent. You know, it's been in Doctor Who loads. It's been in Torchwood. It was the Torchwood Hub, so it feels like the natural place for it to be. Um, but yeah, it'd be really ironic if they just move it to the other side of the key or something, <laughs> you know what I mean? They just unveil it and it's just on the other side of the BBC studios or something like, yeah, there it yeah. is. But no, we'll, we'll see. Something, something's, something's going to be happening, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so not much really being angry about that. I've watched, um, I watched a couple more McCoys cause it's obviously his anniversary yes. uh, month at the moment, which is very cool. Um, I picked up his new big finish actually, um, the Silurian candidate. Oh, saw the cover for that. It looks really nice. Yeah, really cool. I've listened yeah. to the first episode and it's cracking, mate. Like yeah. straight off the bat, episode one is really, really good. So, is it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, really good. Um, so I'll finish listening to that. Other than that, buddy, not much. You, what have you I've seen uh, quite a few pics that you've been putting on where you've been out mm. and about recently. What have you been I've up to? Been, I've had a very busy week, actually. Very busy. Uh, I might as well start with Mr. McCoy himself, <laughs> actually, because I'm, I met him... On Saturday, just gone, he was at the London Film Fair in Westminster, um, and he was sat next to um, Terry Malloy and Katie Manning. So, uh, and um, yeah, so they're all sort of on the table together. And he looked really dapper, mate. I don't know if you saw the picture I got of the three of them, mm -hmm. but McCoy looked like he'd really like made an effort. He looked very doctorish. I don't know if you thought that he'd got like this hat on and a sort of long sort of jackety thing with a little tie on and yep, he just yep. looked like he'd really made the effort and he looked really cool and i told him that i said oh you look very dapper today sylvester um which he appreciated uh katie manning was there she's just amazing that woman she was just so full of energy and at one point she grabbed sylvester and i mean literally 
grabbed him from behind the table. And the next thing I know, they're like swinging, swinging each other around the room, dancing. Um, Katie was leading, I have to tell you. Because <laughs> I just, the, the, the picture on Sil's face, I don't think he knew what hit him, but it was just, it was an amazing moment just to see those two um, having so much fun. And I don't know even know what the dancing was for. I think Katie just fancied a dance. There was no music or anything. Uh, and Terry Malloy was just stood there taking pictures of them and then the three of them posed for pictures. And stuff. So that was just, that was really nice. Um, just so nice to meet Katie Manning again. Uh, Bernard Cribbins was there as well. Um, and uh, yeah, I finally managed to get a nice picture with Bernard because he does have a tendency of moving around a lot, which is not great if you're mm-hmm. trying to take a picture on iPhone. Uh, so that was cool. <laughs> but yeah, but my big thing from last week, mate, was I finally, oh, and this has been a long time coming, I finally got to meet Russell T. Davis, Yay. somebody that I've always wanted to meet. It's, I mean, it, it's a big thing for me because about... <laughs> Five or six years ago, I was sat on Old Compton Street having a beer, and I had a bag full of Doctor Who figures. It was when the sort of um, first sort of classic ones come out, and they all come with a little body part of the robot, and you know, oh, yeah. all, all the figures yeah. to build it. So I'd gone out and bought all of them so I could build <laughs> the robot. And I was sat there with this massive bag of figures when Russell, you know, uh, walks past me, Whoa. and I just bought a drink, and it was it was back in the Hoot days, you know, what would that have been? the david tennant days obviously because he's mm-hmm. wearing this big long gray coat that he was always in oh always. yes yeah and of course i was like oh, russell down the drink as quick as i could and run after him to get a picture and he like vanished into thin air god knows where he went so i've always like been so close <laughs> you know and i'm like oh i nearly met russell once um so he's been doing a book signing with james goss uh, recently uh, which I think um, Doctor Who Facebook page live streamed. I don't know if you watched any of it. I did. Apparently yes. the sound was really yeah. bad. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was. it was fine there, but apparently, yeah, you couldn't really hear it on the live stream. So Crystal D interviewed Rusty Davis and James Goss about their new book called Now We Are 600, which is a like poetry book. Um, I think you've pre-ordered it, haven't you? Or you're getting it? Or Yes. Yeah. Pre-ordered you're going to love yeah. it. Yeah. It sounds, it might sound odd having a book about poetry and Doctor Who, but it's such a nice book, and Russell's done all the drawings in it. So, yeah, they did a signing afterwards, and they got a nice picky with him, and he signed his Writer's Tale book, and, yeah, I was just absolutely made up. And I, I've just got to say this. He is absolutely everything I imagined. You know, like when you're <laughs> really looking forward to meeting someone, but you're not quite sure what, you know, are they going to be nice? Are they going to speak? Are they going to be quiet? He is exactly as you'd imagine him. He's just like really chatty, really friendly. Um, and it was just such a nice experience. So yeah, so I finally ticked that box and got a picture with RTD. So nice one, buddy. And the book's lovely. Yeah. You're, you're going to love it. Honestly, I've been reading through it. Most of it's quite jokey uh, in the, in the sort of tone of the poems. Yeah. And then the very last poem at the back, um, is quite sentimental actually. So yeah, you're, you're really going to love it. And really nice, cool little picks by, by Russell. Oh, nice one. I'm waiting for that to be delivered actually. I'm not sure where that yeah. is as yet, but, um, yeah, I did get a cool, um, who book, um, uh, day before yesterday, you know, we spoke a little bit about this tales of terror, this kind of yeah, sp- yeah. spooky doctor who book that's, um, yeah. So that was delivered. Uh, that looks, um, really, really cool. The cover is really cool. It's nice. Funny enough, I I met up with um, our good friend Adam, the Ultimate Whovian. Oh yes, and he, uh, and he bought that book. Yep. Um, the day I met him, so I had a quick flick through it. I I didn't buy it because I was, I'd already spent enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it does look really nice. Yeah. Yeah, it's got like these the characters on the front, like their eyes are these little mm. red, uh, sort of sparkly things, and yeah. yeah, and it just looks really cool. So, yeah, I'm not yeah, sure it does about, look nice. Yeah, I'm not sure about picking up the audio book, but. 
Yeah. Oh, who's reading it, or is it different people? I remember now. It's different people. Are, it's yeah. Different people are reading it. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Good one for Halloween. That. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So that's been me, mate. So yeah, busy little week. Um, it's gone by in a blur, but it's all been good. Yeah. So that's us. Yes. I say we land the TARDIS and do some news. I think we should. How about it? First up. This has been a, a while coming, this first bit. <laughs> it was announced the other day, and because we, we had said long ago that this was done and in the in the bin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, pretty much the entire uh, uh, sort of Who fandom had said, you know, this is not going to go anywhere now. There were, I think there was a, a, a minority of people that said, no, no, it's going to be fine. It's coming back. I think it was mainly our US friends because that's where it did. I think it did quite well over in the US. But... The BBC, have, yes, they've officially cancelled class. Yeah, they've officially got that hammer, got that <laughs> nail and banged it in. Yeah, because at the moment, yeah, before that, it was just the nail that was sort of, uh, it was pushed in via hand. <laughs> there was no, uh, not enough force to actually slam it into the coffin. But uh, yeah, because we had said for ages, hadn't we, that yeah, it, it must be cancelled because... Um, uh, last month, Patrick Ness had said, well, I'm not going to be involved in it anymore. I'm not going to write anymore. Yeah. Uh, and people took that as a sign, you know, it must be cancelled now. But even then there was a thread of hope for some people because Patrick Ness had said, you know, I'm, I'm not saying this on behalf of the BBC. I'm just saying that I'm not going to be writing anymore for it. But he's mm. very proud of it and so on, which is fair enough. But then um, Damien Kavanagh said, we are not bringing it back. He said there was nothing wrong with it. I thought Patrick did a great job. And he explored an amazing world. In honesty, in honesty, it just didn't really land for us on BBC Three. Mm. Things sometimes don't, and I've got to make decisions. What we're going to do for drama? He said there are always um, times when you do something and then you decide that it's not going to come back. Class is just one of those things. Now we said this right at the beginning, didn't we? Yeah. That putting it, putting it out on BBC Three, which had only just been converted to an online-only channel is not going to help because and and we we because we said at the beginning how is this going to hold up with BBC3 because class was announced and we thought cool we got a spin off this is potentially quite good and then the BBC said oh we're axing BBC3 from <laughs> you know the TV it's only going to be online only and we thought oh, this doesn't sound too good and then when we saw the ratings just you know, bomb after the first few episodes, it was like, yeah, this is not going to go mm. anywhere. So I think really Patrick Ness, because we said this all along, didn't we, that Patrick Ness didn't do a bad job with coming up with the the idea and the concept. It was just the characters were a bit, you know, run of the mill and it was just sort mm. of average sci-fi. And, and uh, I think we said that, it would have been benefited so much more from not being connected to Doctor Who if it was its own thing, yeah. you know. And um, so there was a lot of elements that went against it. But yes, the BBC have now officially pulled the plug. So that means you'll probably be able to pick up those class novels for like one pound 
<laughs> Forbidden Planet at some point soon because, you know, they're, they're clearly isolated and not going anywhere either. So there we go. So we'll never get the we'll never get the conclusion of that amazing cliffhanger. Um, but no, I, I would be very surprised if Big Finish don't pick this up. I'll be very surprised. Um, they'll they'll give it another lease of life because it. Although uh, although I thought it was atrocious, um, there were many reasons it, it, it bombed. Um, and if I was to put a finger on one of the main reasons, it was the tone of the show was all over the place. It's one of the reasons I couldn't get into it. It was just light-hearted one minute, and then suddenly someone would have a sword put through the back and it was it's just all over the shop but I, i'd be very surprised if um if big finish don't don't pick that one up mate well you know not that i'd have heard anything because i haven't but it'd be yeah be surprising if they don't yeah but it's gone it's done it's dusted right let's move on um have you got a couple of spare thou down the back of the sofa gary not any, any the- loose any loose change kicking around the TARDIS, uh, uh, your side? Not down the sofa, but I will check my jean pockets. <laughs> For a couple of thousand pounds. Yeah. yeah. Um, because if you have, there's a couple of really nice items going up from auction. Um, it's This is next Tuesday, isn't it? So Tuesday the 26th. Yes. Um, so if anybody out there's got a couple of thousand pounds handy uh, and you want to um, own either Sylvester McCoy's uh, hat, the one that he wore as the Seventh Doctor, which is uh, expected to get around eight to ten thousand pounds. That's what they're estimating for it. Or there's a this is really nice a model that was used uh, a Necros Dalek model miniature that was used in Revelation of the Daleks, uh, the Colin Baker story. Uh, so it's one of the white and gold Daleks, which looks really nice. And mm-hmm. I don't know about you, mate. I didn't realise they'd used any miniatures in that. I'm trying to. I'm assuming it was perhaps one that was blown up i mean this this doesn't look like it's been blown up but you know i assume it was for scenes when they were having to destroy them or something because that's normally what they use the miniatures for but but yeah he looks really cool Mm -hmm. Uh, and again he's estimated between eight and ten thousand pounds so it's a prop stores entertainment memorabilia live auction that these are going into Uh, they're going to have 600 lots of movie memorabilia from various things so uh yeah if you've got any money out there listeners it might be worth going over to their website and having a look at um some of the stuff for sale as far as i know it's just these two items from doctor who though is that right gary uh, just the hat and the dalek i think yes that is correct i haven't seen any yeah. other um items from there but i have to say mate if you've got a lot of money to, to burn then this particular auction auction is uh it's pretty unbelievable mm. um i'm talking about um the original Batman suit worn by Val Kilmer in Batman Forever. Oh. Um, I'm talking about the original egg from the Aliens, first Aliens movie. Oh, I wouldn't mind that. Yeah, yeah quite like some that. Some of the Aliens weapons and some loads of Batman stuff. But yeah, Sylvester McCoy's hat. Um, it's actually got the proper, it is the actual hat, by the way. It's got the proper leather interior strap thing and it's got the address of the, the suitor place where it was originally bought and stuff like that it's really cool and that's expected to go for eight to ten thousand pounds in the end right so uh yeah yeah so am i going to see you dressed as val kilmer's batman when we next record uh potentially <laughs> uh, they've also yeah, got be um, interesting they've also got Martin imagine Mc- if you're dressed <laughs> <Sorry, guys. laughs> imagine if you're dressed up as batman next week we haven't told each other we just we just open up skype to record and you're dressed as batman and i'm sat there with sil's hat plonked on my head oh, <laughs> like yeah, a pork yeah. pie <laughs> yeah yeah um but no they've got um Martin McFly's original Nike trainers from Back to the Future and 
the original Ghostbusters overalls that they wore in the original film. And there's just so much about the original Gremlins models and stuff from Guardians. This auction is going to raise a ton of money. It's it is, just going to yeah. go for silly yeah. money. So, uh, but yes, the two Doctor Who items are there. So, um, uh, get on there if you like. Adam said, if you've got a spare thou knocking around. Mm-hmm. Also, there is a. If anyone's up in um, London this weekend, that the podcast goes out. Uh, so basically, before if you're up in London before the 26th of September, uh, get yourself over to the um, BFI IMAX because there's a free exhibition um, yes. of uh, quite a lot of this stuff. I think about 300 pieces. Um, so you could go and have a look at the the lovely items before they get sold for free if you happen to be up in London. So that's at the BFI IMAX till the 26th, I believe. And then the live um, the auction is going to be live streamed. So that'd be quite interesting, actually, to watch it, hmm. to see how much these things go for. Yeah, it's quite fun. I don't know if you've ever been to an auction, but it's quite you get quite wrapped up in it. It's quite good fun. You do, yeah. It, yeah. It, and it's very dangerous as well. Oh, it's very dangerous. Don't <laughs> sign up. Whatever you do, don't sign yeah. up to bid. Because even if you think you're not going to, you, you will, inevitably. Oh, yeah. Of course, yeah. Yeah, so I might watch a bit of that. There we go. I think it would be really cool to own McCoy's hat, I'm just saying. I would love it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anyways, moving on. Mm. Right, big finish. Yes. They dropped a wee bit of a clanger the other day. <laughs> Uh, I say clanger, not really a clanger, a belter, a belter, a belter, a, a yeah. news uh, snippet. So David Bradley will be joining the Big Finish team as yes. the first Doctor Adventures lands, Volume mm. One. Uh, I think it's November. Is it November? Something like that. December, sorry, mid-December. Uh, volume One drops. Uh, from Big Finish. So, yeah, David Bradley's coming back. Uh, it's going to be the original um, cast where um, when the Doctor first kicked off uh, his adventures. So it's going to be Susan, Ian and Barbara. And I saw a very cool picture on Twitter yesterday of them, of David Bradley with the other cast members of, of Big Finish with Nicholas Briggs. Um, yeah. And it's really surreal to watch that because, uh, to see that, because it's it's very, very similar to... I mean, it feels like like a snapshot in time, mm. but not now. It, it's really hard to explain, but it feels like... I do know what you mean, yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's uh, It reminds you of the old days of when they used to sort of announce the Doctor with a new companion at BBC Television Centre yeah. or something, yeah. Yeah, and it's a really cool picture as well because um, it's... Uh, it's a really good quality. Normally, they just at big finish. Someone's just got their phone, and they just sort of snap everybody in the staircase. You know, it seems to be the thing. But this is a really <laughs> cool quality photo, and uh, I don't know. I'm very, very excited about this because, and I bet David Bradley is loving life at the minute because He's I loving it. I would assume that once he'd finished an adventure in space and time a few years back, he probably thought that was it. It was a mm. one-off thing, and he's never, you know. Why would he ever come back and do anything more Doctor Who related? It's just crazy. But then he's he's in the Christmas special. Now he's playing Hartnell in the um, at Big Finish. He must just be loving it at the minute. Yeah, I think so. And I, I've got to agree with you, mate. When this was announced, I was just like, oh, yes. This is a immediately pre-order this. I mean, I do, I do have a tiny, slight misgiving. You know, I do feel like, oh, but you are recasting Hartnell. And that part of me does feel a bit sad about that. But... I love Bradley so much that if anyone's going to do it, you know, I'm happy for it to be him. Um, so I'm very excited about this. And, um, it, and also the, the other guys, so the Susan, Barbara and Ian, 
I think it's the original actors from Adventure in Time and Space, isn't it? It's the same guys. So it's the original team from uh, An Adventure in Space and Time, isn't it? I... I'm pretty sure it is, which is quite nice because so. that sort yep. of ties it in very nicely with that. So, uh, yeah, I think it's a great release. Love the cover. Don't know who did the artwork, but I think it looks fantastic with uh, Bradley on the front looking really first Doctorish there in his big cloak. Um, so that's really cool. Yeah, it's actually it's out. It's due out in January next year. Um, this first ish, this first uh, box set, volume one. So oh, yeah, right, okay. I yeah, thought it so was December. Def- no, I've just got the big finish up. I think they might have uh, changed right, it or so. Right. But yeah, it says January now, January twenty eighteen. Yes. Um, and pre-order yep. price is twenty three pounds at the minute, which is not too bad really. Yeah, because that would go up once it gets released. So yeah, that's a must-have for me, mate. That is getting pre-ordered yeah and I, I like it that they've they've gone in with a slightly smaller volume to start off with as well to sort of dip their toe in so uh volume one's only two parts yeah and uh volume two is out a few months later so i'm not sure if that date has changed again but i thought that second one was july ish oh for, okay for volume two but that's quite cool where you can um yeah you can just sort of dip your toe in hmm. yeah so david bradley coming to big finish Yes. And finally, in, a, in uh, the news section, we've actually got a synopsis now from BBC Worldwide for our Christmas special, uh, which is starring, obviously, Dave Bradley and Peter Capaldi and Mark Gatiss or Gattis, whichever you prefer. <laughs> and the synopsis is thus. <laughs> Two doctors stranded in a forbidden land- snowscape, refusing to face regeneration. And the British Army captain seemingly destined to die in the First World War, but taken from the trenches to play his part in the Doctor story. This is a magical last chapter in the Twelfth Doctor's epic adventure. He must face his past to decide his future. And the Doctor will realise the resilience of humanity, discovering hope in his darkest frozen moment. It's the end of an era, but the Doctor's journey is only just beginning. Quite a nice little synopsis, that. Mm. Actually quite quite liking the sound of this. So a frozen moment in time, you know, the, the Doctor looking at his past regeneration and helping him through it and i don't know this has got the potential to be brilliant it has absolutely (laughs) i don't want to put the mockers on it (laughs) because we all know steven's track record of christmas specials um the only thing that does worry me mate is that they are throwing everything into this i mean it's got everything including the kitchen sink really isn't it Mm -hmm. it's got bradley howdy introduction of a new doctor mark gattis doing his typical british thing you know, there's there's a lot going on. I really hope it all comes together to make a great send off because the bit I like in that synopsis is um, the bit about it being magical last chapter hmm. in the Twelfth Doctor's epic adventure. I like the sound of that, so I really hope it is. I hope it's a great send off for Capaldi. But yeah. what what do you think of the synopsis? It doesn't give too much away, but it sets quite a nice picture, don't you think? It does. I really like it. I like yeah. the, the the bit for me that 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 sounds awesome is that he must face his past to decide his future. Yeah. And, uh, and he discovers hope in his darkest frozen moment. So it mm. does sound really cool. And a part of me is wondering how Christmassy it's going to be. I'm I'm just wondering mm-hmm. if it's going to be a typical Christmassy theme story, or if they're just going to forego that and just have a, a really cool doctor who story just, just happens to be out on Christmas day. Yeah. Um, although maybe they'll just get away with, oh, it's in a snowy landscape, so that's Christmassy enough, <laughs> you know. Um, but yeah, I, I get what you mean, though. The Moff doesn't have the best track record, does he, with with Christmas specials? But this does sound very, very good. It does. The only thing that is worrying me is something David Bradley said in an interview recently, where he was talking about the uh, dialogue 
of the first doctor in this one saying about um it was sort of showing him to be his old-fashioned values of telling the companion to get to the kitchen and stuff and i was thinking i really hope the moffat isn't writing the first doctor as this chauvinistic idiot because um mm. yes his values might have been different back then but you know i just hope he's not going to make the doctor a bit of the first doctor a bit show too chauvinistic you know what i mean i can sort yeah. of like i can just see the doctor looking at his past self thinking that's all wrong I've got to regenerate into a woman because my views were totally wrong back then. And I don't know, I don't want that now at home because that, you know, that, that wasn't the first doctor. He didn't, you know, he might've had moments like that because of the era it was made, but I don't want too much of that. Um, But that's the only thing that slight concerns I have. Otherwise I think it's sounding great to be honest. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Could be like you say, it it has a potential to be an absolute classic. This one. Yes. Hope so. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Right. That's news. Mm. News is done. Let's bring our. You bumped Who's into that tapping his plunger at the window. You bumped into him the other day, didn't you? I did, and didn't he look miserable? How the heck did he get out? That's what I want to well, know. Well, he's he's out and about. He's still popping into the BBC to see if they've got any work for him. Little bugger. the weekend, yeah. yeah. But yeah, didn't he look miserable? Didn't even bother to switch his eye on for me. Yeah, miserable sod. <laughs> for anyone that doesn't know what we're talking about, I went to BBC. What's it called? Broadcasting House. And if you ever go in there, they've got a TARDIS with its light missing and and a, and a poor old gar- gold darling that's been shoved in the corner of the room. But it's worth going just to see him because you can get a nice pick. But that's what we're on about. So that's we're now saying that's Dalek Tat, aren't we? Dalek Just tats. lingering around the BBC looking for work. Yeah. <laughs> when he's not here looking even more miserable. It's because I keep him outside. He's not, not house-trained yet. Get him in. Come on. Get him in. Match corner. Match corner. Match corner. I don't know whether to be impressed or disgusted. It's a bit rubbish, but it's pretty. It's very pretty. Douglas Adams. Legend. The legend. The hitchhiker himself. (laughs) Uh, There's a new book on its way. Uh, The Lost Adventure uh, that Mr. Adams penned uh, many, many years ago. Uh, Doctor Who and the Cricket Men. Mm. Uh, cricket spelt K R I double K I T. Cricket. Cricket Men. Uh, so, uh, just read you a bit of blurb about this. The Doctor promised Romana at the end of the universe. Um, uh, so she's, she's less and impressed when she gets there, and it's a cricket match. But then the award ceremony is interrupted by eleven figures in white uniforms and peaked skull helmets wielding bat-shaped weapons that fire lethal bolts of light into the screaming crowds. The cricket men are back. Mm. So obviously a British cricket sporty theme uh, to the story. However, um, anyone that's read any of uh, Douglas Adams' stories will know that it will be anything but your run-of-the-mill um, story. So the things with the, the thing with Douglas Adams' stories is they, they often turn out to be anything but the synopsis. Um, yeah. <laughs> the synopsis is normally is normally just a a pinprick into what the uh you know the tip of the iceberg of what the story actually ends up uh, being. So um just a, a little bit more about this. So millions of years ago, the people of Cricket learned that they were not alone in the universe and promptly launched a xenophobic crusade to wipe out all other life forms. After a long and bloody conflict, the Time Lord Time Lords imprisoned Cricket within an envelope of slow time, a prison that could only be opened with the Wicked Gate Key, a device that resembles the human eyes, an oversized set of cricket stumps. Uh, 
There we go. So, as you, you know, I know a lot of people are thinking <laughs> this sounds sound, bonkers. It does sound bonkers. However, like I said, that's just Douglas Adams' thing. You know, when you read the synopsis, you think, what the blimmin' hell could that all be about? But then yeah. when you read the story, it ends up being just completely brilliant. And you realise that his genius writing, you know, is it all makes sense, you know, once you get to the end. But uh, So, yeah, so this is out. When is it out? So you can order it from Amazon and Forbidden Planet, I assume, uh, January next year. Yeah. yeah, it's it's written. It's, I guess it's finished off by that funny little man James Goss, isn't yes. it? He did uh, did a great job on um, the pirate planet. Uh, pirate planet. Yeah, yeah, I was trying to think. He did too, didn't he? Pirate planet. Yeah. So um, he's he's pretty good. I, I feel like um, as a fan of Doctor Who, I feel like I should know more about this. I don't know about you, mate. I I've kind of vaguely heard about it, but I don't really know much about it. It was like a was it a script that he submitted for like back in the day? Or something, and that it didn't get made. Is it like a lost story? I don't know. I, it, I feel I need to know more about this. Yes, it was um, essentially uh, Douglas Adams had put together this script and story treatment and everything, and um, it was just it never came to fruition for whatever reason. Yeah, um, and then he pinched some of it and used a bit in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy and some other bits. Um, but yeah, it just never went anywhere. So now, uh, like you say, James Goss has kind of picked this up and you know made a. Uh, a novel the novelization of his original notes and script and story and everything so yes it sounds very uh well it obviously sounds very douglas adams but it sounds very cool in a quirky sort of way quirky doesn't it sounds quirky yeah mm. uh, it's got the the cover's quite interesting it fits very nicely in with the um the other ones that we've got like sharda and pirate planet and that yeah. doesn't it so yeah. yes yeah so there we go it's coming in january next year Right. Okay. Uh, other bit of merch. I kind of need this, although I'm not sure about it. I do need a new <laughs> notepad. Uh, and there's a premium Doctor <laughs> Who notepad coming out, Ooh, which basically uh, is just a notepad with the TARDIS design on the front. Um, I'm trying to work out what's premium premium about it. Do you? Is it fuzzy? The cover looks like it might be like fuzzy felt. I don't know. Let me tell you why it's premium. Go on then. Go on. Why is it premium? It's premium because... It has one of those little clasps that goes round the front and locks it in oh. place. There you go. Uh, <laughs> of course. How could I not notice that? And it's got the DW symbol on that little locking clasp as well. Yes. So we c- a premium notebook um, <laughs> is available, <laughs> available to order from Forbidden Planet. It, to, to be fair, it does look quite nice. It's uh, it's only nine ninety nine. Um, it's coming out. Uh, 21st of September, so it'll probably be, already be out by the time you listen to this. Um, yeah, it's quite a nice little notebook. And joking aside, I do ne- need a new notebook because I've got two pages left in the one I use for this podcast. Uh, so two more stories time, I'll be needing a new notebook. So yeah, it's not not bad. Very simple design, isn't it? I mean, it's very simple. Yeah, it's. I don't know. I think maybe because they've done the. So I've still got actually. Yeah, I've still got two notebooks unopened that I need to get. Yeah, I I got the original, um, uh, the A5, you know, the the ring-binded notebooks that had the TARDIS design on. Oh, yeah, Been out for a couple of years now. Um, So it's interesting that they've gone the other way. So those ones have got a very realistic photo almost of the front of the TARDIS on it. Whereas Mm. this new one, it's very, the the TARDIS details are in black on the TARDIS um, blue. So um, the, normally when they do these things, they put everything in white so it stands out or they do like a photorealistic version. Whereas this one's quite muted and it does, 
I can't comment on the um on the premiumness <laughs> of, the, of this. I'm not going to say, yeah, go out and buy it because it will fulfill all of your notebook needs in a premium way. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's got the little Velcro, I assume, or little push button thing that locks it yeah. and stuff. But yeah, here we go. It's a tenner. I think they normally retail for what? Eight quid, so another couple of quid more. So I might, I might get, I genuinely might get one for making notes for the podcast, and I'll let you know if it looks better in hand because okay. it might be one of those. I mean, I'm looking at it thinking, well, it don't look anything special, but maybe when the actual <laughs> thing, I'll let you know. I wish they'd sort their branding out though. I know, this, well, Doctor. I mean, we, it's back to that yellow and blue branding design that we saw. Back in the Capaldi's first year, it's horrible. I never liked it to begin with. I no, why can't this? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, they need to sort their branding out. Something Chibbers will sort out, I'm sure. Oh, Chibs. Because yep. it's all over the place. There's no consistency <laughs> in Doc 2 branding at all, is there? No, not really. At the minute, no. Brand guidelines are being ignored left, right, and center. They are, yes. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Notebook. Um, last up for merch, we spoke about calendars on the last episode. Um, yeah. The Beeb uh, have brought out their obligatory yearly calendars, and we said they were a little bit lazy, didn't we? With their yeah, you know, choice of design of and yeah, mm. yeah, a bit run of the mill and a little bit sort of expected, uh, nothing special. Um, if you're looking for something a little bit different, then um, uh, there's a new A4 uh, calendar that's going to hit. Um, very soon um, featuring all the artwork by Gordon Archer if you don't know who Gordon Archer is he was one of the guys that did a lot of the original Target um, book covers and and all that stuff and he's also a lot of his work features on some of the old vinyl covers doesn't he like some of the old um, I think you picked them up at a record shop day didn't you I'm wondering if he did the Pescatons or something like that it looks like that style but I'm not sure yeah yeah Um, so yeah so basically Gordon Archer is a very very um, sort of popular retro um, sort of Doctor Who artists from back in the day. And um, you can pick up a signed uh, version uh, of that. Um, where does this come from? Because the website, oh, Yellow Planet, yellowplanet.co.uk um, forward slash offers um, will take you to uh, the page and you can get it for uh, £12 plus shipping. Mm, it's not bad for a, something to sign, either. That's um, very cool, because considering the ones from the BBC are £10, this is not too bad. Just an extra couple of quid, you're getting a really... I mean, mm. it's very. It's definitely... It doesn't have, like, the the modern, uh, contemporary design that you see on the BBC ones, where it's all very sci-fi looking and, and all that stuff. It's very sort of... Uh, it's a lot more... It's plainer in its design, but mm. I think that's by design because the actual calendar part of it is very simple and, and plain. But the focus is obviously the artwork. So on every page, um, you get to see um, uh, Gordon's artwork as the main feature. So the actual calendar part of it doesn't detract from that. So, uh, yeah, I really like this. I'm more tempted at this one than I am at the BBC ones, if I'm honest. Oh yeah, me too, mate. And uh, and I'm just I've just clicked on the web uh, link to the website to get a better look at the other pictures on the on it. It's it's, it's quite nice actually. It's unusual, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's something different. Um, I do vaguely remember seeing some of these pictures, but I can't think what from. Well, I don't know if they were like part of those little card collector cards you used to get back in the seventies and eighties. I don't know. They Maybe. look very familiar, but but I like it. They're almost like. Um, uh, I was going to say watercolor. It's not watercolor 
pictures, but it's yeah, it's a different style. Um, and it's yeah, it's just something a bit different. I'm quite tempted with this one as well. Um, I'm sort of stuck between this one and the uh, Andrew Skeletta calendar. Never know if I'm saying his name right. <laughs> skill out, skill to Andrew. You know, uh, his calendars uh, just come come out as well, um, which is really nice. So yeah, both of these look good actually. But I'm, this is something a bit different. Yeah, I might go with this. Yeah, I really look quite like it. Yeah. yeah, and I think it's a real bargain as well. I mean, I said yeah. it was twelve pounds plus shipping. That's incorrect. It's actually twelve pounds including shipping. Oh yeah, um, which is great, isn't it? Absolutely. So I think for a signed calendar from Gordon Archer himself, um, featuring some beautiful artwork from back in his era, um, I think this is a real steal. So yeah, and it's worldwide shipping as well. If you, you're not limited to the UK, they do ship to Canada, Australia, everything. So a bit more for shipping, obviously, if you live there, but. Still very good. Yes. And that's much. That's it. Wheel him out, push him out. Yeah, go on, bugger off. Whee! Off he goes. Um, I, I'm assuming that his one slimy Dalek eye inside there is rolling <laughs> up and down. Like, here we go, I'm being booted out again. That's it. Till next week. Till next week. Right. Adam. Yes. How many Nymons have you seen today? <laughs> <laughs> You human scum! Um, <laughs> praise the Nymon. Uh, yeah, Must gosh, have uh, the Nymon. <laughs> well, <laughs> wonder if anyone can guess what we're doing this week. <laughs> it is, of course, the Fourth Doctor adventure, the Horns of Nymon. You, you meddlesome hussy! Do not touch the sacrifices! It's all over, Soldeed. You're finished. No, the Nyman will fulfill his great promise. The Nyman be praised. The Nyman be praised. How many Nymons have you seen today? Don't dare blaspheme the Nymon. How many? Skonos will... How many Nymons? Three. I have seen three. Well, I've just seen a whole lot more rampaging down the corridor. Face it, Soldeed, you're being invaded. He said he was the only one, the last survivor of his race. He told you what you wanted to hear, promised you what you wanted to have. So this is a great journey of life. They're parasitic nomads who've been feeding off your selfishness and gullibility. My dreams of conquest. Well, come on, old girl. There's quite a few millennia left in you yet. Thank you, Doctor. Not you, the TARDIS. <laughs> <laughs> deary, deary me. Graham Croden. Crikey oh, Moses. Goodness me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was very tempted to put in the the remix uh version of that. If any uh, a few of our friends on Twitter were uh, having a good old crack up um uh yesterday. Um when you put a photo off the DVD to say you were watching it for this week. Yeah. Um uh Sonic Clavier um on Twitter. Johnny Kilroy said, you know, uh how many Nymons have you seen today? Basically if you go on YouTube and just do a search for how many Nymons have you seen today, you'll see a remix version of it. It's well worth watching. It's so funny. Yes. And um yeah, and it, it it's just hilarious because it's addictive as well. You watch it once and then you crack up and then you watch it. It's just the never ending cycle. It's brilliant. It gets stuck in your head, though. Be warned. You'll be it'll be in your head all day. Yes, be warned. Yeah. Yes, but anyway, the horns of Nymon, mm. uh, the Doctor and uh, Romana, along with K Nine, Mark Two, um, find themselves in a uh, 
sort of buggered up TARDIS, really. It's everything's gone to shot to bits. Um, and they bump into a into a spaceship that's uh on its way to um on its way to the planet. Help me out here. Uh I can't remember. It was so incon- <laughs> yeah, it was uh on its way to a planet um with um uh is it Skonos? There's yes. a, what the the uh yeah, so the place where this ship is heading to with the human sacrifices. Human uh, scam. It's on its way, um, sorry, from Skonos to somewhere. Uh, Anith, that's it. The near, uh, Anith, yeah. Um, where these sacrifices, um, these young humans, uh, to this kind of almost godlike creature that they think initially called the Naimon. Um, and these, uh, so the Skonon Empire basically worship this, what they think is a singular kind of, uh, godlike creature um but he sort of insists that once a year i think um these young people are sacrificed uh so that he can build up um a power supply open up a black hole get the other nymons in uh drain the planet of everything and then move on to the next planet so this gullible uh leader guy soldied sort of is going along with it and so yeah so the doctor and romana and sort of get wrapped up in it and and uh try and open their eyes not having any of it and you know as what happens with some of these classic episodes it all ends with a nice big explosion yeah <laughs> trapping the Nymon on their final planet they can't go any further and that's it yeah it all wraps up all wraps up nicely in a big explosion mm. um uh, actually no the planet was Krinoth wasn't it Krinoth that, that's that sounds right yeah. yes so Anath yes. is the neighbouring planet where they pick up these young sacrificial people and take them to Krinoth, where the um, the Skonon Empire is hoping to get... Oh, yeah, so the Nimon has basically said, you know, if you give me these sacrifices and all this jazz, I will, you know, reinstate the um, the, the Skonon Empire back to its greatness and all that stuff. So that's mm. why Skaldeed is so desperate to please the Nimon. And there we go. What did you think to this... Um, <laughs> To this uh, far, <laughs> I remember when uh, I put this on the schedule, you were like, "Wow, oh, crikey, this yeah. is going to be fun." Um, do you know what I, I was? Yeah, I was. I was dreading watching this. <laughs> I really was. It's like when when we realised we couldn't record last week. I was like, "Oh, good, I've, I can put off watching it for another week." Um, so <laughs> I watched two episodes on Sunday, and then another two uh, last night. Um, it's not great. But do you know what? To my amazement, I really enjoyed watching this. Um, when I was at work on Monday, I couldn't actually wait to get home to watch the f- the next two episodes. I was really quite surprised how much I enjoyed it. Um, but I, I, it, it's got so many faults with it. I mean, it's not great. It's not great by any means. But but yeah, I actually just as a sort of piece of entertainment. I was amazed how much I enjoyed watching this. I actually thought it was really good. There are, a, there's um, a couple of bits, of, you know, in it that really stand out for me as being um, what I would call a shame. Uh, I think it could have been a lot better, but yeah, it was nowhere near as bad as I thought. In fact, I'm slightly wondering if I'm getting it, when you put it on the schedule, slightly wondering if I'm getting it mixed up with um, another story in this series, in series 17, uh, I don't want to say which one because we haven't reviewed it yet. Um, but I think I might have been thinking of another sort of in my head thinking, oh, there's one that I find really hard going because um, oh, I didn't. Yes. I actually found yeah. this, although it was silly, 
and and quite ridiculous and the sets are blimmin awful and the performances are over the top and the extras are blimmin useless and the comedies doesn't hit the mark although all this stuff was going on i just found myself just really enjoying watching it it was quite quite strange so to my amazement i i kind of liked it but i'm looking forward to getting into it more and discussing stuff but yeah it was it was not bad i thought what what, what did you think yeah, I think I know what episode, or sorry, what story <laughs> you 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 mean from um from series seventeen as well. It's yeah. one of the two in the middle. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> yeah, I don't know that I was necessarily mixing it up with one of those, but I think in my head when you said Horns and Iron, I remember thinking, God, oh, I haven't watched that for a long time, mm-hmm. and there's a reason I haven't watched it because <laughs> it's awful. Um, and it really wasn't awful. It's actually quite entertaining in its own little way. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, for me. It's it's one of those classic stories again, where we seem to have had a few of these over the last few months. Where mm-hmm. I I find it absolutely hilarious, pretty much from start to finish. But it's not trying to be funny. Uh, yeah, if you know what I mean. It's it's, it's <laughs> compl- completely hilarious. The one thing that I will say with this one is it's definitely for me anyway. One of those stories where I, I'm com- I was completely bored for the most part. Uh, oh, throughout the story however it's some of the performances that keep you you know i wouldn't say keep you coming back because it's not one that i watch that regularly i think but uh it, it, it's definitely one of those stories where the performances you want to see what happens to a couple of the people plus mm. the doctor and and romana are, are, are pretty good in this yeah. one although the story is not great for them the script isn't brilliant I think they're having a bit of fun with it. I think it's one of those stories where the Doctor's, you know, he's having a bit of a, a laugh and a crack at, at most points that we see him because it's interesting because I think Romana actually does more in mm. the story than the Doctor actually in this one. Um, and I think Tom Baker's just quite happy with that, it seems, because he's having a, a a bit of a muck around uh, for most of the scenes that he's in. Yeah. Uh, he has his serious moments, but he's he's having a bit of a a laid back bit of a laugh with it. And, uh, but Romana's, you know, she, um, she sort of takes the lead almost not quite, but almost. And then some of the other people like Soldied, you know, and the, the pilots at the beginning, it's mm. it just, uh, and some of the, um, some of the people from Aneth as well, the, the, they're just hilarious to watch, but not, but unintentionally hilarious, you know, especially yeah. Soldied. I and mean, we will come on to him in a little bit, but oh dear. yeah. So overall, I didn't mind it too much. Um, but I do find myself, especially story and plot wise, it does even just for four parts. I just find it very slow going throughout most of it. Yeah. Fair enough. I, I mean, it, it, it's not one I've reached for in a long time. Mm. I mean, that's why, that's what I love about this podcast is it, it makes me, rewatch stories that um you know that i haven't watched for a long time that i perhaps think i don't like or for whatever reason they've just sat on the shelf gathering dust and that's definitely where i'd categorize this story i just have never i have not reached for this story for a long time and it's um i find that a lot with the graham williams era um i don't really like or at least i don't think i like might be changing my mind as we go through them but i don't really reach for much of his era i always go for the hinchcliffe era Mm -hmm. because those are stories i just know i like and they were darker in tone the graham williams stuff's very much light-hearted um compared to that like the key to time stuff i really really struggle with um but 
also because Tom's quite comedic in the Graham <laughs> Williams era, and obviously we've got Douglas Adams, a script editor, so that again adds in a lot of humour. Um, so yeah, it's not always my favourite sort of series to go to. Um, and you can see that Tom's, they've let the reins off on Tom, can't you? Yes. You can see yeah. that there's a lot of ab living going on from Tom in this, which I think Philip was strong enough to rein him in and say to him, no, we're not doing that, Tom. That's that's silly. Whereas Graham Williams obviously didn't do that. He kind of let Tom get away with a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, some of it for the better, um, but not all of it. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It wasn't that there's a lot of it in this. I mean, the sort of scenes of him giving canine mouth to mouth at the beginning which is just simply ridiculous is a tom baker ab lib and you just sort of think well that's you know it stands out a mile doesn't it that yeah. he's just doing that he's probably worked it out in rehearsal and stuff but um but i did i still quite liked baker in this i still thought he was still very much on form but you can tell that the you know that he's getting his way a lot more by this point in his in his uh in his doctor's time if you like Absolutely. Um, oh, I forgot to do the rundown of the info on the story. So oh, right. It, it was first out in twenty uh, second of December, nineteen seventy nine, mm-hmm. and transferred through to nineteen eighty in January. So this is the first, the very first story that trickled over into the eighties from the nineties. Uh, it was written by Anthony Reed, directed by Kenny McBain. Yes, and that, as you said, um, overseen by Douglas Adams and produced at the time by Graham Williams. So, well, I totally agree, mate. It's, it's The Graham Williams stuff absolutely has a more lighthearted feel to it and a bit more, uh, I'm not saying it doesn't have its serious stuff going on, but at face value anyway, it definitely seems a lot more lighthearted and a bit more playful. Mm, it doesn't always hit the mark, does it? It always feels a little bit more mm. um, hollow, if you know yeah. what I mean, the substance isn't always there, I find, in this era. Because the next story would have been Sharda. Um, That's right. But, of yep. course, that that never got completed uh, properly. Obviously, they they did eventually release it as a DVD with Tom Baker narrating it, but it never, never got shown at the time or finished. So then by the time... So after this story, we get the Leisure Hive, which would have been the next one. Which So when did that start then? Because we're into different territory once the next story arrives, haven't we? The Leisure Hive arrives, we've got a new theme... So this is the last time that we see the tunnel effect. It's the last time that we hear that beautiful version of the theme. I still think yeah. it's probably the best version of the theme because then by the time um, Leisure Hive hits our screens in August, um, so a few months, few months on from this, we're we're we're, we're a different tone, I yes. think, completely. Yep. Like Leisure Hive feels totally different um, to to the. Horns of Nymon to me. And obviously that's because we get a new producer. JNT steps in and takes over from Graham Williams and just gives it a fresh feel, mm-hmm. um, yep. a totally different feel. So it's a bit of a strange with this, isn't it? Because it feels a little, it does feel very, it seems to me like Doctor Who needed freshening up. I'm watching it and I'm thinking, it does feel like a bit of an end of an era to me. Like the theme's kicking in. They've had those credits for so long now. Yeah. You know, yeah. they've had that theme for so long. The sets look dreadful they re- they look like they've just found any old bit of computer uh, <laughs> any old bit of um electronic stuff that they could find and, and shoved it on the wall and you know this, they're very basic aren't they so it does feel like the show was sort of coming to a bit of an end of an era in terms of the production values on this one before they you know you get a new producer on board and and start again 
uh, with new themes and stuff. So it felt a bit tired, I suppose, if you like. It, I could, I was watching it and I was thinking, yeah, it feels a little bit tired to me. Like the costumes, uh, the nine ones themselves, um, to me, <sighs> I kind of like the design, but they also look terrible, don't they? <laughs> the nine ones. And I don't know, yeah. <laughs> and I don't know if it's because of the way yeah. they're, they're walking or, or, or just, just the overall design of the actual suit that the, the actors are in. Um, how on earth are they seeing through those masks as well? Are they looking through the mouth or what? I was trying to think because I bet you they couldn't see a blimmin' thing out of that headgear. No, no. You know, yeah. when they're getting out of the spaceship, you've got to give them credit for that. That must have been really difficult for them to get in and out of that thing, wearing that headgear. Yeah, uh, for me, the design, it's just hilarious. Um, and you can tell, uh, like you say, mate, that I think Doctor Who was starting to just feel tired at this point it looks tired yeah because yeah uh, and i'm not sure if it's a if it's one of those things that we always hear and heard about the bbc at the time where uh the bbc is a strange beast because you know it 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 continuously complains and has done for many many years even back back here in the 70s and 80s always complains that you know it never has any money you know, it never has, you know, it's always cutting things and always stripping things back. So the thing, the feeling that I get from this, or for the most part, really, of Series 17, is that they really, really had next to nothing to go on and to work with. Because with the exception of a couple of little visual effects, like we see, you know, the the, the spaceship out in space. Yeah. That in itself doesn't look too bad but the effects with the TARDIS look just absolutely dreadful <laughs> when we see that out in space and yeah uh, you know so that's not great and then we some of the sets just look like I, I'm not sure if it's intentional you know they're supposed to look that bad like roughed up and lived in and mm. used and all that stuff because at this point remember Star Wars had just come out a few years earlier episode yeah. four had come out and that really sort of pioneered the way for sci-fi that looks lived in and mm. scruffy and all that. So I'm not sure if that's intentional, like, you know, to copy that. But, yeah, it just looks yeah, – everything looks – it looks like they just had to go off to a, a supermarket and just pick up, you know, cereal boxes and plastic tubs and washing yeah. up bottles and everything and i i know that doctor who has a certain charm about you know the old days and how cheap the sets were and wobbly and all that but these just look like there's no love been put into it really that's exactly you what know? i was going to get to yeah because we sometimes talk about stories where the production values are are not great but you can tell that they've really the love's gone into the show because mm. they've made the most of what they can with the very limited budget with this it doesn't really feel like there's much love or care gone into making it. it just seems like they would you know what i mean you, you can't see i'm trying to think of an example but so for you know for like survival there the very last mccoy story right you know absolutely no budget at all but you can tell that they've tried or say great show in the galaxy they've yes. really tried yeah. to make it the best they can on a shoestring budget with this i kind of get the feeling they're just getting the show made you know, yeah, there's, 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 yeah. you can't feel any love towards anything to do with the production side of this. Um, you know, I mean, the cast are still doing their job in terms of Tom and Lala are still very much at the forefront, pushing the show forward and still doing a great job. Um, the supporting cast, 
you know, a pretty weak. Uh, there's one person stands out for me, which is the co-pilot guy. I thought um, he was given a good performance and, uh, you know, trying to take it seriously. But everyone else just feels that, yeah, it's just getting the job done. Um, but you look at the sets. I mean, look at the TARDIS set, for example. Mm, yeah. they, they've actually nailed, did you notice they've, they've actually nailed the walls back to front? So if you look at the TARDIS walls with the roundels, they've actually um, connected the bit in the middle. They've connected it the wrong way. So it's inside out. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. it looks filthy. Yeah, like it all does. Around, it just yeah. it looks awful because they've, yeah, they basically they've put it up and they probably thought, oh, blimey, we've, uh, you know, it should be the other way around. But, you know, oh, well. <laughs> there's, there's just not very little love gone into the production of this it seems yeah you know. I, I, I got the same the same feeling as well after I watched it and especially the TARDIS interior set it looks it, awful I mean uh, it, it, for, for a start it looks tiny for some reason they've yeah it's really small like the space around the, the centre console and where the, the coat stand is and the doors and stuff like that it looks like they've just been shoved into a tiny little garage somewhere yeah, into yeah. a corner of the studio. Yeah, yeah, and the 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 paintwork around the console, especially around the floor, you can tell that as production's gone on from the past few series, and they've made like you know thirty odd episodes now, you can tell that as people have just scuffed past it and bumped into it, and it's all chipped and dented, and there's like scuff marks all over it. And yeah, it, yeah, I know what you mean. It, I, I I got that feeling immediately when I that first scene. The opening scene in a TARDIS, I thought, what what's going on here? You know, is somebody not <laughs> even have they not even bothered? You know, even when film, you know, filming's finished recently, has somebody just not looked at it and thought, at least put a lick of paint around it, yeah, just to make it look like it. You haven't just give it this a thing dust. up at a jumble sale, yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, it's funny, and once you notice that, once you notice the dividing line, so look at the yeah, look at, yeah. at the two flats where they've been put together in the middle. Once you notice that big line down the middle, it's quite obvious that it's it's inside out. Uh-huh. You know, you shouldn't be you should be able to see that bit there. Um, it, it's just yeah, it's the only saving grace for it is the fact that the doctor is supposed to be sort of repairing or something, isn't he? Like at the start, he's got. He's got like the lid off the time rotor and he's like connected. So the only saving grace is he is supposed to be, it is supposed to look a mess. Yes. Yeah. But, but it's kind of like beyond that. <laughs> but you can't really fool. I mean, even, even at the time when this went out, I'm pretty sure there would have been who fans that said the roundels are not lined up correctly. And yeah, you know, that doesn't look right. <laughs> so, you know, it's a bit of a, a bit of a poor show, really, because, yes, on one hand, it, the TARDIS is meant to be in disrepair and it's meant to be knackered at this time and, mm. you know, and, and not in the best of states. However, you know, Graham Williams and, you know, whoever else was working on it, it's a bit of an, in, a, not an insult, but it's a, it's a little bit of a, you know, you can't fool Who fans. That's one thing that's been proven, you know, even mm-hmm. before, the, long before this ever came out, you cannot hide stuff like that from who fans they will pick up on the tiniest little detail so yeah it yeah i know what you mean it's like it's not enough love into it it's kind of a that'll do attitude oh that'll do yeah, yeah. whereas yeah. It, like you said something else you you can really spot that they've tried even if they haven't succeeded you can say well look they've you know you could tell what they were trying to do there yeah so yeah what did you reckon to kind of overall story and moving through the four episodes and and stuff like that because i did find it a real slog to actually stay focused on the story because for one 
the direction, with the exception of one scene, uh, the direction was very, you know, as as typical, unfortunately, with this era, was very run of the mill and. Uh, well, like, yeah, I thought it was really flat. I really thought the direction was dreadful. Not dreadful, sorry. They just, like you said, run of the mill. Nothing, yeah. nothing yeah. exciting at all. Um, yeah. Yeah, and there was one scene actually where because because it was mainly set well, it was all set f- filmed. We have we, they f- they fell into this trap of having just cameras at fixed points on the set, and then it just it focused on one person as they're doing their dialogue, and then it flicks to the other one, and there isn't much movement. It's very static. But there was one scene where they actually got a camera <laughs> off of something, or they've got a steady cam or something, and it's following. Uh, it's a bit where um, Soldied is like chasing somebody down a corridor with his staff thing, and mm. the camera's right in front of him. So somebody's running backwards in front of him as he's running forwards, and I was like, "Oh, this is cool. This is like a good build up to something." But then that was the only scene it happens in, <laughs> and then it all goes back to just normal static cameras after that. Yeah, I know. I know what you mean. I, yeah. I mean, the, one of the notes I made was how how poor the direction was because the Nymons, uh I know obviously the design doesn't help, but they're not, they're not in the least bit scary, mm. are they? I mean, there's no attempt to sort of film them from any angle that makes them even remotely good yeah. or scary. Um, I think that, I think the shot you're on about, yeah, I think I know the one you mean. Um, yeah, I think there might be one shot, isn't there, of a nine on sort of like a handheld coming towards the camera or something. That's so it. I thought, yep. okay, that's, that's the only attempt they've mm-hmm. made to sort of do anything with the nine on. Otherwise it's just shot, Walking into the room, you can see it's a guy in a suit with a great big bulky head on. You know, the lights are turned up to full. It's, you know, yeah, yeah it, th- there's no attempt made at all to make the Nymons even look remotely good. They don't yeah. stand a chance. And you the, know, they're just, they're just shot walking straight into the room. And the direction with the, the, um, the Nymons when they're actually in frame is bizarre as well because all they've been told is just walk around and <laughs> yeah. don't do anything. So there's a scene where the young sacrifice people are in the room with the Nymon. And, you know, the camera's quite far back and you can see most of the set and you can see the people in the yellow karate outfits over, <laughs> over to the right-hand side. Oh, those extras. Yeah. Oh. And the Nymon's just sort of pacing very leisurely around and then he says something and then he turns around again and then he sort of, he goes up to this control panel. There's like a tower full of like electronics and stuff. And, he he's not actually pressing buttons or levers or anything. He kind of like strokes it, and it, it's almost like he's been told to sort of act as a mime artist. And mm. you know, he and, probably couldn't see. He probably couldn't even see what he was. Where is it? He's yeah, probably just thinking, "Oh, this will look like I'm doing it." Yeah, I do know what you mean, though. Um, but it's a bit like the the guy I said I quite liked, the co-pilot guy, who I thought was giving quite a good performance to be fair he seemed to be taking it serious and he's given a bit of gusto wasn't he that co-pilot i mean none, all the others are like oh no the nymons are coming and all that but he was yeah. like oh no no the nymon <laughs> you know, he's, he's going for it but not over the top like soul deed um and but in that scene where he gets killed yeah. and sadly falls over and rips his trousers uh <laughs> if you noticed that, <laughs> yeah. unfortunately he falls over and great does a tom jones doesn't he great big split around the back of the trousers um but even in that scene it, <laughs> it's just shot that he looks like i kept thinking why are you just stood there you yeah. just yeah. He just stood there letting the Nymon kill you. Why are you doing that? You know, but if it had been shot differently, like the Nymon 
you know, like a close up and then him looking up. Ah, yeah, it could have been done really well. And we've seen stuff like that in like, you know, Troughton's era, Pertwee's era. There's no excuse. We're, we're quite a few years on from that now. You know, there's no excuse for this standard, you know, one shot. Uh, direction it's, it's just you know it could, it could have been so good i mean I, I, the only excuse you might have is time you know uh, maybe the production yeah, was yeah. rushed or whatever but yeah there were scenes like that though where i was just thinking god yeah it's a bit flat yeah i read you. i mean there's probably a reason why kenny mcbain didn't really work much in tv after <laughs> yeah. well as a director anyway i think um when i looked up uh some info about him earlier he was the the main producer on Inspector Morse, but didn't. Oh, was but, he really? Yeah, okay. but he didn't direct. He was just the producer. Mm. Um, I think he's done the odd episode of Corrie. Oh. So you can tell that you know after this, he's you know he certainly wasn't going to win any Finished awards for for um for for directing, which is a shame because with these you know this type of monster, where the actor they got to play. Well, the actors were quite tall and they were quite, we know, especially with the head, the huge head mask on and stuff, they could have had some, you know, they employed just some real simple filmmaking techniques. Like, you know, way back in the day when the first Dalek story with Hartnell and, you know, the, the original box, you know, the Dalek story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they employed this trick where when um, the doctor and um, Ian and Barbara were on set, the cameras were up at a sort of decent level and they were head on. But when they had the shots of the, the Daleks moving around, they put the cameras really low down and shot them upwards so that oh, they no. looked yeah. like, you know, really big and or, or, well, towering larger. over you. Yeah, yeah, and menacing and stuff. You know, they could have employed those sorts of things, just simple things to make the Nymons look a bit more threatening and menacing, you know. But mm. the camera's just fixed and static the whole time. So, it you know, inevitably just looks like a guy in a mask pacing around, fumbling his way around the set, mm. unfortunately. Which is, but, a, which is a drab set anyway. I mean, I was going to yeah. say, the, th the only thing I would, I suppose, excuse, if you like, in terms of the production value, is that it is possible um, they were saving money for the next story. Because I think Sharda was quite adventurous wasn't it so a lot of it was on location in cambridge mm. so it's possible this was like the low budget app that they had planned for and then obviously you know because shada would have been like the series final wouldn't it that's right if you if you like yep. in, in, back in the day it was the equivalent of so that might have been one of the reasons that the sets and everything look so poor um no i'm not making it, you know not that i'm making excuses for it but just sort of thinking of it logically in terms of how they would have planned things back then and budgeted that might have affected why you know this looks so drab if mm. you like because <laughs> uh, they probably would have been already in production of shada or planning it or whatever so yeah, that might not have helped. <laughs> yeah, I read you. So, yeah, you're probably right. So, Sharda yeah. being like the series finale. Yeah, with, it was an adventurous script, wasn't it? With loads. Yeah, yeah. absolutely, yeah. Because it was Douglas Adams again, wasn't it, who would mm. put that together most of it. And, yeah, a lot of outside shoots and lots mm. of stuff. So that would have required a lot more budget, certainly more than than this. So, yeah. I read you. Yeah. Um, yeah, so editing, again, fairly standard. Nothing crazy mm. there. The direction, the editing, it really just made it a bit of a plod along for me. It was a bit more... Uh, maybe because yeah. I haven't watched it for so long, because you may have watched it more recent than me. Uh, no, maybe it was a couple it, of years ago I last watched it. Oh, really? It. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I guess say maybe because, yeah, I mean, it is so long since I watched it. I didn't find it a chore. I mean, I wasn't sat there on the edge of my seat. Yeah. Let's put it that way. I wasn't, like, gripped. 
But um, there was, yeah, I don't know. There was enough going on in it. And I think it does come back to the performances, like Tom and Lala and stuff. I was particularly enjoying Lala in this. Yes, me as too. As Romana. Um, mm-hmm. I think because of that, I was quite looking forward to getting back and watching the second two episodes um, this week. I was thinking, oh, I'm actually quite into this. You know, but I think it was more, yeah, it's more to do with not really the story itself, but it was more to do with, you know, just enjoying the Baker era and seeing Tom and Lala. And, you know, I was just thinking, I'm actually quite enjoying all this silliness. Um, so I didn't find it a plot, but yeah, I can see why you would. And I have a feeling if I watched it again, say in a couple of weeks time, I would be sat there thinking, this is dragging. <laughs> but because I, because I couldn't remember much about it, I, I was kind of invested in it enough to to keep watching it yeah yeah for but me, i get why yeah. you were bored <laughs> yeah for me it's um it, it, don't get me wrong I, I didn't think like oh my god this is that bad i think i need to turn it off mm. you know it got to that stage it was you know it's watchable for sure but it just feels like there there are a few decent scenes within each episode but the rest of it is just you know conversation after conversation after conversation and even the scenes where the Nymons you think he's going to cut loose and, or you think it is going to cut loose and, mm. you know, ever, ever, I mean, we see one scene, don't we, where it, it kills one of the young sacrificial people. Yeah. And then we have another scene where, you know, the famous splitting trousers scene where he kills the co-pilot. Mm. Um, so there's a couple of scenes, but it doesn't really kick off in any way. It doesn't go mental and stuff. No, it you know, keeps, yeah. never builds. It builds, but nothing happens. Exactly, yeah. yeah. It sort of builds and builds up, and you think, you know, these guys are going to, especially when we see all the other Nymons, and you think, right, they're going to go on a bit of a killing frenzy mm. because, you know, their their master plan is under threat at the minute, so they need to protect that. But, yeah, they still just sort of, you know, fumble around and plod around and don't really do much. So I wasn't, at, yeah, absolutely, you know, not on the edge of my seat at all for any of it. But at the same time, I wasn't really thinking, oh, crikey, I need to turn this off and go and do something else. But mm. yeah, it's just a bit of a labored watch for me because I, yeah, there we go. I get that. There's a strange bit at the end where um, Seth gets shot by Nymon and then he's instantly back alive. I, I, I actually rewound it because I thought, did I miss something there? I don't know if you spotted that. So it's right at the end of the episode when okay. it when it sort of starts to kick off before it just stops again. Um, yeah, there's a scene where uh, like it's, it's like just after Soul Deed's been shot or something. And then this Nymon walks in and you see Seth get shot. <laughs> and then it sort of cuts back to the Nymon and then it cuts back and he suddenly just stood up next to the Doctor again. And I was thinking, what happened there then? That's really odd. It's, it was like the quickest I've been shot and stunned I've ever seen. I don't know. Next, Well, you probably won't watch this for a while, but next time you watch it, it's right at the very end of the episode. I just thought it was a very strange. It's as if they thought they'd kill Seth off and then said, oh, no, don't kill him off. He's, he's fine. Oh, right. I think it's very I remember. strange. Yeah. Yeah. So, so this is where Romana's just. Uh, it's literally the very end of the episode. Yeah. So the doctor and they're all in that room and that's right. Yeah. I think they yep. think they've sorted salty down, but he's still alive and that's don't know. Right. And then a nine month walks in and he just shoots or even, it might even be salty shoots him. I can't remember now, but yeah, that was a bit of an odd edit. And I just didn't quite get what happened there. There was a couple of moments like that, to be fair, where I wasn't quite sure hmm. what just happened, but wasn't really that bothered enough to find out if you know what I mean. I just kind of went with it, but Again, it comes back to sort of the direction. I was thinking, what's meant to be happening here? You know, there was a bit where the crowd uh, have all got their back to the camera just talking. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> if, but I was thinking, what's happening? Yeah, it's episode <laughs> two, isn't it? I think. 
it felt like they three. needed another shot there, but they just thought, oh, we haven't got time to refilm it, so we'll just yeah. go with that shot of everyone with their back to the camera. That'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there was a couple of bits like that. Um, but luckily, Soul Deed, uh, any chance of nodding off, um, you know, he comes in just enough, doesn't he, to yeah. wake you up, I think. Just if, just when you j- might just be <laughs> nodding off. Soul Deed is in the room, and all praise be the night. Like, oh, God, I'm back in the room. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it's all about Talk about some characters then. I was going to say, let's talk about some characters, yeah. Uh, let's talk about, um, well, let's talk about the um, the Aneths then that are currently under ah. capture uh, ah. from the pilots at the beginning. And two of them kind of stand out, don't they? They're the ones that... Oh, yeah. That kind of... One of them was from from Blue Peter, wasn't she? I immediately was like, oh, it's uh, Janet Ellis. Janet Ellis, yeah. She Peter, went on yeah. to do Blue Peter, didn't she? Yeah, this, I thought yeah. she had a bigger part in this. She doesn't actually do much, does she? No. Apart no. from like fawn over Seth quite a lot. She thinks he's God's <laughs> gift, doesn't she? She's like, oh, Seth's wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> so those two were like the main, because the other ones, they yeah. don't have any speaking parts. They just huddle around like cattle. And... Well, do you know, it's funny because there's, there's a woman with dark hair in that mob. <laughs> and every time you know that brilliant website we go on the doctor who actors appearances or whatever it's called and uh, yes. it tells you where all the actors and doctor who are appearing um it's a great website actually. um there's always this picture of this woman at the bottom in this yellow top and i've always been like who is that and then finally now i know who it is and she's only got one line Oh, and no. she's like, I was, kind of, I was like, oh, so that's who she is. So I was, because she's always on this, doing these appearances, I was thinking she was going to suddenly come into her own halfway through the story <laughs> and, you know, and wipe out a few nymons. But no, I think she's the <laughs> woman that says, um, just before matey gets shot and rips his trousers, I think she says something like, oh gosh, or something like that. So this, yeah. So anyway, so I finally know who she is. Um, but the rest of them don't say a word, do they? They just no, do lots no. of, lots of great, shocked acting and gawping and that's it they're, they're really earning their money those extras <laughs> i love that i thought she's going to come alive and wipe out a few nine yeah but i was thinking she's doing all these appearances <laughs> who is this woman that i don't recognize and um yeah it's her <laughs> yeah. maybe she's done lots of other stuff you never know she might have gone on to be really famous in something else but uh, i don't don't recognize her do you know what they yeah. reminded me of these dudes in the yellow karate suits what's that they reminded me of a bunch of adricks I don't know why. I think maybe just... <laughs> yeah, it's a forerunner to the Adric outfit. It uh, is. So, mate, yeah, because J&T takes over uh, next series. Maybe you saw this and thought, I like that. I go. like that. I'll just alter that a little bit. Put a star on it. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, I won't look at it the same way now. <laughs> but they were fairly... Yeah, again, they're not going to win any awards great. or anything. No, they, they weren't great. No. no. Um, so what do you think of Seth, though? Because, I mean, he gets a bit more... He gets to be a bit of a hero in this, doesn't he? A little bit, yeah. He teams up with Romana, doesn't he, for the famous Yeah. How many Nymons have you seen today? He's he's there with her, isn't he? And he's playing back up. He's got Soul Deeds. Yeah. Staff of power, whatever it is. Oh that blimmin' staff, yeah. Yeah. So he gets a bit more to do for sure, but I'm still, you know, not sold on his on his acting chops really. Yeah, you get the feeling it was his first job, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um I think he went on to do quite a lot. I think I think he ended up doing loads of theatre stuff rather than oh, probably. TV and stuff. But yeah, I mean, he was not terrible, but yeah, he's not, yeah, not great. Not uh, great. A um, bit of a tragedy, actually. He died really young. He died when he was 28, you know, yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, that's a shame. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, well, but... actually, I'm looking at an older picture of him now. Uh, he looks, yeah, he looks kind of familiar, actually, seeing him as a slightly older. Because mm. I don't know how old he was when he was in this. He looks really young, doesn't he? He's really young in this, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so he died really young, unfortunately. But um, yeah, he's, he was never going to win anything, was he, for his acting chops in this, let's be honest. But Not in this one, I'm afraid, no. no. Simon, what's his name? Simon Gibbs Kent. Gibbs Kent, yeah. His name, yeah. Um, yeah, and then we've got all about the pilots at the beginning, because they were really hamming it up, weren't they, big time? They were. I, I still think the co-pilot was good, though, Malcolm <laughs> Terrace. I Malcolm thought he was Terrace. right, just because I love the way he keeps um, shouting at the... You know, he's saying human scum, isn't he? Human I don't scum. know. I think he's saying something I saying, else. What's he, oh, is it? I was like, what's he saying? He's saying something scum, but I don't think it's human. I think it's... Oh, useless scum, mate. Useless, I don't know. Uh, yeah, something like that. He's shouting at the, the prisoners, doesn't he? And um, I don't know. I thought he was quite good. Like, when he was... When he was um, sacrificed the Nymon and all that. I thought he was, uh, <laughs> he looked pretty scared considering what he was actually <laughs> faced with. Um, the other guy, well, he, he dies pretty quick, doesn't he? I, I, <laughs> He's like, don't, don't, don't uh, put the engine on full yeah. or otherwise. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, dude, I found it bad. before we go on. I found it. Oh God. He's, he's actually shouting weakling scum. Weakling scum. Right. Yes. Yes. Do you think, um, Gattis got, or not Gattis, but I mean, it reminded me of um, uh, Strax because he shouts stuff like that, doesn't oh, he? Oh, yeah, yeah. Waking scum. And all that. So, I don't know, was that a forerunner to Strax, maybe? Possibly. But yeah. yeah. Anyway, no, I didn't think he was too bad. I'll be honest with you. I thought the co pilot wasn't bad. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure about the other guy because he only got about five lines, but uh, yeah. Bob Hor- Hornery, the other guy. Yeah, he just got a few minutes before he gets I'm- blown up. I'm not sure if that ship is actually shaking or if it's just the camera, but it looks to me like they've got <laughs> got the crew to shake the set. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, could, yeah. like, I was thinking because normally you can normally tell if it's just the camera because they do very over the top movements. But mm-hmm. it looked to me like they it still looked like they were shaking the camera, but it looked to me like they were actually shaking the set <laughs> as well. <laughs> and I was thinking it doesn't look like the sturdiest set either. So perhaps he uh, perhaps he was actually genuinely terrified of being crushed by something falling down from it because it didn't i mean it was a cobbled together spaceship wasn't it i mean it was just it was awful yeah it was awful yeah uh, but the thing was it wasn't too bad because it it does it i quite like that scene at the beginning in mm. in that spaceship because it does have that really cool kind of experimental yeah uh, you know let, let's just try and make a, a spaceship and do the best we can it does have that nice kind of non-professional it's hard to explain like that non-professional no, i do know what you mean i do yeah. yeah it almost like you know please forgive me for saying this mate but it almost has got like a bit of a blake, blake seven seven feel yeah i know, do you know, I know what exactly I mean? what you mean yeah yeah so from that I, I think that's why i liked it yeah so from that aspect i did quite like it i did think it was quite cool but the, the thing with the pilots is they're too shouty especially the co-pilot mm. and it's funny that they don't have actual names either they're just pilot and co-pilot um but they, yeah, he's just too shouty. Like literally everything he says, the co-pilot is like he's yelling and bellowing in people's faces. And but it was quite funny though, especially his hair. I didn't realise his hair was going to look like that when we see him without his helmet on. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> like this kind of Shakespearean, you know, white hair. It's quite funny, but I like it when he's trying to lie as well, trying to say that he repaired it and. Did oh, all yeah. this stuff, and then the guy's like, "Well, how did you know?" Blah blah blah, and he's like, "Um, yeah. he, he gets found out so quick, doesn't he? He's not very good at lying." 
the old co-pilot. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, okay, what about... Who's the old guy that Romana bumps into? Is it Is Sorak? That Sorak? Sorak, yeah. yeah. Uh, I quite liked his character. I was hoping that he was going to be in it a wee bit more. Because mm. I thought it unlocked a little bit more of a, a sub-story that might it have did. detracted from the main bore. It but, needed it, know, didn't it? It did, and I was hoping for a, little, a wee bit more, but... Uh, mm. I thought he was he was the um he was like an old captain of something wasn't he, he was an old guard captain well he um, gets to sort of um he gets to sort of explain the sort of story really doesn't it it's weird he comes into it right in the middle or towards the end of the story and they have that nice little chat don't they him and Romano and he sort of gets to explain what's been going on and like oh you know I, I brought the not no was he said i discovered the nymons and i don't know he sort of gets to explain it all and i thought that's quite a nice little scene yeah that now, was cool then he gets shot in the back yeah because i think wasn't it him that the nymons first contacted that's right yeah uh, and it was here well you know he basically sort of be- his fault that <laughs> yeah yeah uh, so i thought that was quite good he like this kind of rogue um sort of undercover character almost that was you know, narrating what we were thinking was going to, was happening. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but like you said, he gets shot fairly Zapped. quick by mm. a Nymon. Yeah. By, yeah. The, by a limin Nymon. But he was, yeah. his performance was quite cool though. It definitely was like the polar opposite to Graham Crodens and, yeah. you know, it's, uh, he's one of the more, um, he's one of the more calmer yeah. <laughs> performances in the, in this particular story. Yeah. Reserved. Yeah. Reserved. Yeah. Uh, okay. So soul deed then. Graham Croden. Uh, oh Crikey. I mean. There are going to be people out there that love him. I know this. I was watching it thinking there are going to be people out there that will, th- will think he's just brilliant in this. Like so funny, so camp, so over the top. Personally, I'm just going to come out and say it. He drove me. I thought he was awful. I re- He irritated me. He was so. Not only does he fluff nearly every line he's got. He he seems to really be on the edge of getting his lines out to me every single time he's in a scene, but he's just so ridiculously pantomime that I can't. I, I was just getting annoyed of him. I'll be honest with you. I know there's probably people out there that were just loving every scene that he was in, but maybe it's the mood I was in. Maybe another time I would have found it funny, but no, I I was getting genuinely just like, oh, I, I can't swear, but go away, soul deed, yeah. <laughs> but with swear words. So do you think this is more of a so who hams it up more then? Because currently for us the crown goes to Michael Collins, doesn't it? Is it Michael yes. Collins? Yeah, yeah from yeah, the Deadly yeah. Assassin. I think I think Graham's given Greg giving him a, a run for his money for sure. Actually, Definitely. not Deadly Assassin, sorry, Robots of Death. Robots of Death, yeah. yeah. Um so yeah, I can't do I mean I think he is giving him a a run for his yeah like you say Very for sure <laughs> i would say that i'm pretty sure that he's doing this intentionally i think he's i he think is. he's acting this way completely i think it, what i mean is he's over the top intentionally i don't think he's just one of these actors that just you know a bit of a diva and just you know hams it up all the time no i do think he's doing it you know completely intentionally but yeah it does get annoying after about three seconds I found him really annoying. It's funny because I, <laughs> I thought I thought I might find him funny as well because obviously if I think of Haunts and Iman, I didn't remember much about it, but I do remember him, yeah. because, especially because that famous scene where he gets 
where he dies at the end and the, the story goes that he thought it was a rehearsal, which is why he's so over the top and they left the laugh in and apparently they were like, right, that's uh, that's that scene in the can, let's move on. And he was like, oh, I thought we were rehearsing, apparently. Um, but uh, yeah, he's too over the top for me. He's, you know, I'm all for a bit of camp villain, but he's too much. I, I, I just was like, oh, tone it down, mate. The facial expressions as well. It's as if he's <laughs> tripping off his... It's it's just yeah it's just way too much. Do you know what's bizarre? He was offered the part of the fourth Doctor and turned it down. That's he right. could have yeah. been our fourth Doctor. Mm-hmm. I mean, can you imagine? He would have. I think he'd have finished the show off, mate. Honestly, if he gave a performance <laughs> like that, I think I think Doctor Who would have uh, been axed in the se- in the seventies. <laughs> he would have finished the show off. I think he would. <laughs> I just cannot imagine him every week. No, it's really strange as well. I wonder how he feels about the fact that he turned down part of the fourth doctor because you know i mean i don't think he's with us any longer is he but no he isn't no you know no i mean i've got nothing against Graham crowder by the way because i've seen him in other things he's actually quite a nice he, he can give a nice performance i mean he's in that that series what was it waiting for god was it or something waiting for god yeah that comedy series back for in years. the 90s yeah 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 i don't know if you remember that but I do. He was, um, yeah that was quite a nice performance from him and so he can he can tone it down um but yeah, for me, it doesn't work in this at all. And the thought of him being cast as the fourth Doctor, um, I never realised that Tom was like second as the choice either. I don't know why. I've always assumed Tom Baker no, was the no. first choice Doctor. So that was quite interesting to to read that um, on the production subtitles. So I yeah. just, yeah, I'm just very glad Tom got the gig. Let's put it that way. Uh, no, I agree. Um, it's weird, yeah, because Graham Crone himself, I remember watching him in an episode years ago of... Um, Dr. Terrible's House of Horrible, oh, which yeah. was this funny comedy that was on um, 2002 or three or something like that. And he was really good in that. Uh, he played Professor McLuton. It, it, I don't know. He just, he, he was obviously, you know, matured a lot and, you know, because yeah. so, he wasn't young when he did Doctor Who, but you can tell that his acting had sort of matured a bit. Um, but in this, it's just scene after scene is constant, like, you know, going nuts with it. However, having said that, it mm. does make the story more watchable when he's in it because you are intrigued and annoyed at the same time. So- I just wanted him to get eaten by a Nymon because <laughs> he keeps banging on about the Nymon, so they're his friend. I'm thinking they're really not. Yeah. Um, so I kind of wanted him to get his comeuppance. I know he kind of does, but <laughs> yeah, not in the way he should have, I don't think. I know exactly what you mean. He's banging on about, oh, my Bessie my made, the, made Nymon. the Nymon. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I, I know what you mean. It's just, yeah. I don't know. He, he doesn't work in it for me, but you're right. He does make it slightly more interesting, yeah. for sure. <laughs> uh, quickly want to touch on K9 then. So Yeah, what's up with his voice? Yeah, so not voiced by um, oh, John Leeson. John Leeson, yeah, sorry. Um, but David Brearley. Uh, yeah. Now, why was he voiced by David Brearley? I don't know. Is he honest? And do you know what? I always forget that someone else uh, did K9 for a while because John Leeson did it first. And then, yeah, for for maybe it's just for one series. I'm not sure. I'm sure people listening know. But, yeah, for some reason, I don't know if John decided he didn't want to do it anymore. But for some reason, I think we get a series, if I'm right, of uh, David Brearley doing it. Mm -hmm. And then then back in the Leisure Hive, um, the next story, uh, John Leeson comes back. Yes. Uh, until until K9 leaves. So, yeah, it's strange, isn't it? Because I, I always forget that there's someone else that doing 
K9, I always just think of John Leeson. So I'm quite thrown when we get this different voice. Yeah, um, I was thrown, to be honest, because I forgot yeah. that John Leeson wasn't voicing K9 during this time. Yeah. Uh, which is weird. And I, I will be honest with you, I don't really... I think because John Leeson does it in such an iconic way, you know, he's got that yeah. voice that's a lot more high-pitched. And I don't know, John Leeson's K9 is just a lot cheekier to me and a little bit more playful and a bit more character to it, where I think that... Sorry, I thought that David Brealy's performance, especially in this one, was just really plain and, and not yeah. much character to it. I mean, it wasn't... No, it was bad. I was going to say it wasn't too bad, but it was pretty bad, actually. It wasn't. It just doesn't have that same John Leeson feel and character and playfulness. It, it doesn't. And it, it, it does just sound like somebody trying to do... John Leeson doing K9. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't mm-hmm. really work for me. I wouldn't say it's bad in all honesty, but it's um yeah, it doesn't doesn't have the same feel at yeah. all, you know. Yeah. If you think about some really cool scenes with if you think about what story was it where the doctor's playing chess with K9 and that's voiced by John Leeson. Yeah. Those scenes are so great because of the the voice of Leeson and, you know, Whereas scenes like this, even where, because the Doctor and K9 do have a couple of nice scenes in this, like mm. where he thinks K9's bit in the dust and in, he does a ridiculous CPR thing. Uh, yes, and there's yeah. a bit where he thinks the asteroid or the small planet's going to wipe out the TARDIS. So he sort of hugs K9 and, you know. So there, there are some nice scenes where they're, they're quite close, the Doctor. And you can tell that Tom Baker's really uh, playing up to that, thinks he's a an actual dog pet at times, you know? Yeah, I, I suppose so, because I don't know, because John Leeson used to, in rehearsals, used to walk around on the floor and actually act with Tom Baker and Lala Ward and stuff. So they, they had a great rapport, didn't they? They got yeah. on very well. Yeah. Now, it's possible, and I don't know, maybe David Brewley didn't do that. Mm-hmm. So maybe they haven't got that same rapport if you like um but i do that's a good example i do totally get what you mean yeah um i was just looking actually to see why john leeson left so apparently um as much as he, he apparently had a great rapport paul with tom uh, they got on really well uh, but he became frustrated with the limitations of the character so decided to leave after the 16th series uh, in 1979 right um for which point david Brealey took over for four stories that's right because uh, oh, yeah. shard yeah. never got completed mm-hmm. um and then it was actually john nathan turner uh, apparently um lured him back managed to convince him to come back with the promise that if he did he would kill off k9 which of course he never did he never did no <laughs> he didn't kill no. him off did he because he just leaves with romana so yeah it was john actually john nathan turner that apparently uh, managed to um tempt john leeson back for the next series so i'm glad he did though because you, you're right john leeson is k9 end of absolutely yeah. <laughs> that's uh, a bit fine i end yeah but yeah he is yeah sounds a bit harsh you know towards david oh, yeah. really but you know yeah, it's sorry, just one of those things when you have such an iconic voice for a character mm. um you know it's very difficult then to associate that character with someone else's voice i suppose but yeah, yeah there we go uh right to lala ward then She's good in this, I think. For me, really good. She she holds she holds this together. And Romana's got a Sonic, and I, d- I don't remember that. I was I was like, blimey, I don't remember Romana having a Sonic. Um, <laughs> and I love the scene where the Doctor tries to swap it, 
<laughs> for his own. Yeah. Like she's gonna like she's yeah. gonna have that. This is what I like about Romana's character is she don't she's a bit like Lala Ward, isn't she? She doesn't take any nonsense. Yeah. So but yeah. I love that scene where he's like, Well, it's it's not a bad Sonic, I suppose. It's all right, and then he tries to steal it. I thought it was brilliant. So no, I think she's really good in this. I really like her in it. Um she's you know she's got to do scared acting against the Nymon, which isn't easy, but she does it all right and she's Strong in the scene she's in. She's nice in the subtle scenes with Sorak. Um, I think she's really good in it. She's good with Tom as well. Um, I'm assuming they were getting on okay at this point because I was looking to see if Tom would look at her because there are stories where you can tell that they've had an argument. He won't refuses to look at look at her at all. Yeah. Um, yeah. But they they actually I think they make for a great team in this story. I really thought they sparred off <laughs> each other quite well. No, I agree, mate. You can definitely tell those stories where they've had a bit of a tiff. A Barney, he won't look at her. He just, he just won't interact, really. Will he, he won't look at her at all. Yeah. No, it's bizarre. This but, one's um, really nice, though, and it and you definitely get to see that, albeit right at the very end. You know, in that clip that I played where he says, not you, the TARDIS. She does this little thing where she sort of scrunches her face up oh, at him. and then there's a laugh, which almost seems like a really natural laugh, and I wondered if... yes. Yep. They left that in, but uninter- you know, thinking, oh, we should have cut there, but that's quite nice. We'll leave it in. Yeah. Yeah, it's so lovely. Little scenes like that, you can tell that they work so well together and they've got a great mm. um, sort of chemistry between them. Um, but I did think that she almost sort of stole the show a little bit in this one, mm. which is not a bad thing. And it's not an easy thing to do with Tom Baker. Absolutely, <laughs> mate. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Um, and I think that she, uh, yeah, the Sonic's really cool. I like the touch that she's made her own Sonic. Mm. And uh, but she loses it. She slams it down on the side, doesn't she? In the oh yeah, in the ship, and then she runs off, and then that's it. So she only has it for one, right. for one story, and then she typically just leaves it behind. And oh, yeah, right. it's a shame. I'm sure she could build another one. Yeah, but it's a shame we don't see it again. Yeah, uh, but no, I liked her performance. Uh, I thought that it was a good uh, contrast to Tom because, I, like I said earlier, I thought Tom was playing this quite there was quite a lot of humor from Tom yeah, and he was being quite sarcastic in a lot of scenes and not that he wasn't taking it seriously, but he was very laid back and very uh, comical in a lot of it where I think Lala Ward's performance was a lot more serious. She was playing it a bit more, yeah, um, sort of more, a bit more intensity with her and she was a bit more serious with it. Um, yeah. And I, I just think that really suit, suited the, the program actually, because I think if they were both like that, it'd be a bit full on. Yeah, so, it'd just be too much comedy. You you wouldn't take any of it seriously, and it's hard enough to take serious as it is. Yeah, no. Yeah. Really. So yeah, so I liked her. I thought she was strong. Actually, that's probably the best word I can describe for her. She was very strong mm. in this one. She didn't take any nonsense from anybody. She was very stand up for herself and the um, the the Annettes that were there to be sacrificed, and she mm. didn't take any nonsense from Tom either. No, she no. doesn't. I'm just laughing actually because you just reminded me. It's very funny. There is a scene in it where she's <laughs> she suddenly like realizes she's left half the what are they called An- An- the Annets. And if she's left half them behind, it takes her a blimmin' long time to notice. Oh, you yeah. see, do you know what I mean? There's, she's like walking around with two of them. She's like, "Where's the rest of them? Yeah. Oh, they're back there being killed by the Nymon. Oh, are they? Oh, blimey, I didn't even notice. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> she just, I guess she was had a lot on her mind, so it's fair enough. But she definitely kept me interested in the story. Let's put it that way. Um, she yeah. she kept it. She added something enough to make me, you know, keep enjoying what was going on because. Uh, yeah, it's you know it's got its problems. This one. No, yeah. I, I yeah I agree, mate. 
But her and Tom together, I think, just spar with each other brilliantly. Yeah. Uh, they were fun to watch. And we've spoken about Tom. I don't think I've got much more to say on him, really. I just thought he was... He, uh, don't get me wrong, it wasn't his best performance that I've seen from Tom by a long shot. However, he was... And it's really weird because I'm not really... I'll be honest, mate, I'm not a huge fan of Tom in series 16 and 17. No, I'm not, no. no. I, and I don't mean that disrespectfully. Well, I do but, like him, but I know what you mean. It's yeah. not my favourite era. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of... I mean, series 16 doesn't really have much to offer, really. Um, I can't really think of a really amazing standout story from there. Um, see, I mean, City of Death is, you know, a cracking story from Series 17. And him him and Lala are really good in that. Mm. And he's a great performance. But really, that's your lot for me. I don't know what it is, but just 16 and 17, there's just nothing really pulls me in. If I'm going to watch a Tom story, hardly ever navigate towards these series just before we get onto the you know well i, I struggle with the key to time one and it's yeah I, I find tom and it's not really down to Tom. i think he was told to lighten it up because they they felt the you know the philip hinchcliffe era had got too dark yeah. and it got loads of complaints from old mary white house so they've they've tried to lighten it but yeah i struggle with key to time i must admit um, things do yeah. get better there are little gems mm-hmm. in the graham williams era like I said city of death Destiny of the Daleks is is okay if I'm in the mood. You know what I mean? There's, there there are some little nice little stories hidden in there um, uh, as well. But I, I I know what you mean. Tom's different. Is, and and yeah. then again, you know, we change again with the next series. So when we get to Leisure Hive, he's in his burgundy and he's very very different to this. He's very yeah. broody, mm-hmm. and it almost goes completely the opposite to the lightheartedness. But I I liked him in this. Um, there's that scene where he thumps the console and we get the worst comedy sound effect um <laughs> in doctor i don't know how you feel about oh, that the spring boing it goes thing. on forever yeah um i didn't mind it actually um if i'm honest but i could imagine a lot of doctor who fans <laughs> groaning at that scene but yeah you can tell the reins have been let off and i think it was quite good actually when we get jnt on board he, he reins him back in for a short while <laughs> which yeah. is probably why he's so broody yeah but no, hey, all right. he, he does the job i think in this one he does and like i said he's quite funny in it and he's very laid back and stuff and he's yeah it, it it's never going to stand out as one of tom's best but no it's not he's not bad i'm just something about 16 and 17 i just can't get into especially the key to time stuff and then most of these stories from 17 i just can't get into it as much as some of his earlier stuff but I hear you. Yeah. Well, what did you think of the music? Because this is the last time Dudley Simpson would have scored. And obviously, he, you know, he's got a great track record with Doctor mm. Who. Personally, I love Dudley's music. Absolutely yeah. love it. So, yeah, he will have he will be replaced by an electronic keyboard on the next series. Because <laughs> yeah. um, they went very, they wanted to give it a more modern feel, didn't they? So, it's Dudley's, Dudley's last score for Doctor Who. But it, for me, it was uh, nice, but I mean, nothing stood out. I wouldn't say, oh, it's a brilliant way for him to go out. He, I mean, he probably didn't even realise he was going out on this one, but yeah, it was okay. It was nice. It just fitted with the era, really, didn't it? And nothing stand out. Just fitted nicely. Yeah, he was. Um, he was a great composer, actually. And he did have some. Oh, I love his stuff. Some good stuff. Yeah, I think. Yeah, it was okay. I mean. It, the thing is, it's not memorable for me. I mean, what exactly? It's nothing memorable. Yeah. Whilst no. I'm watching it, I'm thinking, oh, that's quite cool, and you know, it's not mm. bad. But then, what, after I've watched it, I, it doesn't stick in my head, you know. So, but yeah, not yeah. not too bad, mate. Yeah. 
exactly the same. Yeah. Anything else you want to mention before our scorers? Uh, no, that's it, Ruddy. I'm done. Right. Whose turn is it to go first? Mm. I'll go first. You go first. I'll yeah. go in with a five. I thought you would. Middle of the road. Yeah. Um, I'm going in just slightly higher with a six. A six. A six, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Not bad. Not bad at all. For me, the thing with this story is it doesn't go anywhere. Like when it ended. Right, yeah. It's just, okay, like you said, we have an explosion. Off they go in the TARDIS. It, it, it doesn't have any, enough substance to be any higher for me. Um, so although I quite enjoyed watching it, I just found it just, you know, when the credits rolled, I just went, oh, <laughs> that was that then. Yeah, you know I mean, it doesn't leave you. You don't sort of think, oh, that was really good or, oh, that was really bad. It's just kind of there, isn't it? <laughs> so, yeah, a bit middle of the road. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, well, totally middle of the road for me. It's only because some of the the performances, especially Lala Ward's performance yeah. is really good and then the hilarity of, you know, most of the other <laughs> stuff, it makes it a bit more watchable. But there we go, five and a six. Yeah. What did our lovely listeners think? Now, we've got uh, five audio clips in for this, so thank you very good. much for that. But due to our... Um, uh, problems with recording last week and so on. I completely forgot to put a Facebook post out asking you for your thoughts on that. Oh, did you? Oh, right. I hadn't realised that was yes. I'd have put one. Sorry, I hadn't even noticed we didn't put that out. Yeah, so I'm very sorry about that. So I had a couple of tweets, that's about it, but we are going to kick off with these audio clips. So the first one is newcomer to audio reviews. This is George Puddy. Hello, Gary and Adam. It's me, George Putty from Pickers Park Review. Sorry for the plug. Now it's Owens of Nymon, a classic episode. Um, I love the Fourth Doctor, but I haven't watched many classics. I am trying to get into them. Don't you worry. I have watched An Unearthly Child, a bit of the Daleks, um, Robot, a bit of the Argon Space, and a bit of Time in the Rani. But anyway, points of interest are I quite enjoyed this story. Uh, the Anathenian actors were a bit rubbish, the ones in the Yoshas. Tom Baker and Lala Ward were brilliant as always. I really do love that Tyus team, one of my favourites. The effects are slightly dated. I know you can't judge a classic capsule on its effects, but I thought these were especially poor. David Brayley, the uh, person who is standing in for John Leeson as the canine voices, doesn't really sound anything like John Leeson as canine B, still, but it's in a good performance. Pers- a one personal connection to me, because I'm currently reading the Sharda novelisation, so this tied in quite nicely and get me more into the era as well. Uh, Ru- Did you notice Romana's sonnet looked quite a lot like Tenants? Maybe Tenants was inspired by it. I love the Nymon's design, and uh, Graham Crowden is not all threatening as Soul Deed. So those are my points of interest. Thank you, Gary and Adam. If I was going to give it a score, this may seem harsh, but I am trying to cut back because I've been a quite generous with my 10, so I'm trying to cut back. I'd have to give it a 6 out of 10, but I did thoroughly enjoy it. I just think it's a bit average. So thank you. I'll see you guys next week. Ta-da! Yay, George. Thank you, George Paddy. Okay. Some good moments there. Did you think it, her Sonic looked a bit like Tenants? Um, I didn't at the time, but now he mentions it. Yeah, mm. have to possibly, go back and yeah. check that. Yeah. Uh, this is, now I'm going to say Maria's surname wrong. I'm pretty sure of it. <laughs> go on. Uh, this is She's used to it. Maria Kalitachu, Kalitachow, I think. <laughs> Hi, Gary and Adam. It's Maria here. So I just watched The Horns of Nimon tonight, which I haven't seen before. And it's a very odd tale indeed. Um, the good stuff that I liked was um, Tom and Lala's performance. Um, normally, I'm not a fan of uh, Lala's Romana because she can seem a bit cold, but I did like her here because she was quite tough um, when she um, had to be with the um, ship's captain and also um, 
when she had to travel to the um, other planet and she did look brilliant in that red coat. Um, Tom I liked as well. Um, normally when you read stuff about the Horns of Nimon, um, they kind of make out that it's very camp um, and I was expecting that from Tom but he was actually at times, he did put some jokes in but um, he was quite serious at times as well and um, I didn't mind that. Um, what I also liked was, um, given that they had a very limited budget, um, and, you know, it was all studio shot, that, um, they were using the lighting in quite an effective way, um, you know, turning things down, not having it too bright. I couldn't get used to K-9 not being voiced by John Leeson. It just sounded wrong. Um, it didn't sound right at all. I couldn't get used to that. Thika really got on my nerves, the way she kind of was very fawning over Seta. Um, and she was so wimpy. Um, Jeffrey Croden at, um, at the beginning seemed okay, but then there were times when he was really hamming it up and it was like he was performing at the theatre. Um, the Nimon themselves, um, the design wasn't brilliant. I mean, you could see it was a a man in a mark with a head mask and you know the way they moved was quite awkward um overall not a story I would probably um turn to again in a hurry um and I'd say five out of ten for me thank you very much Maria five out of ten agreeing with you yeah um and I had to edit Maria's um, review down quite a lot because there's a couple more minutes worth of stuff in there so uh, I really appreciate the time you took Maria to do that audio clip, but we just can't play them too long because, yeah, because we need to get through them. But thank you so much for recording. I did listen to the whole thing before I edited it. And um, yeah, it was really good. So thank you very much. Uh, right. Loopy Lou. Ah, Loopy Lou. Hello. The Horns of Nemon. This was a second time watch for me. I don't really remember it though, because it was so long ago. Plus, I probably blocked it from my memory because it's so bad. Anyway, I recognised Sol Lead straight away, Graham Croden, Croydon, uh, because he was in a very peculiar practice with Peter Davison. Does anybody remember that? Apparently, he turned down the role of the Doctor, which actually I think was a shame because he would have made quite a, an eccentric Doctor. He's obviously very panto in this, but I swear his acting is much better in other things, honestly. Um... Having said that, I think the episode would have been really boring without the ham. Honestly, I think the best character in this was K-9. Four out of ten. A four. Four out of ten, yes. Yeah, thank you very much, Lee. <laughs> She's right. It would have been it would have been a lesser story without the ham, for sure. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Uh, Sammy Satine from Down Under. Hi, Gary and Adam. Sammy Satine here. So, the horns of Naimon. If you've ever listen to Time Lord Fairy Tales, there's a story in there narrated by Tom featuring the Naimon. I think Tom really enjoys saying Naimon. Anyway, check them out if you haven't already. I love Romana's red coat. The Naimon look a bit silly. I laughed when I saw one. Why is John Leeson not voicing K-9? I love the fourth Doctor and Romana and K-9. I'm listening to the Big Finish series at the moment. Check that out if you haven't. But this story is just a mess. Four out of ten. See ya. Another four. Oh dear, a mess. A mess indeed. A lot yeah. of love for Romana's red coat. Yeah. <laughs> she does rock that red coat though, to be fair. She rocks it. 
Yeah. And lastly, this is James Coleman. Hi, Gary and Adam. Here's my review of The Horns of Nymon. So I think this was a boring story with a very slow start. The Doctor doesn't seem very interesting, and Romana probably gives the strongest performance throughout the story. I think K9 isn't really focused on much, and I don't really like David Burley as the voice actor, and I prefer John Leeson much more. Uh, the supporting characters are quite forgettable, apart from Solid, who is just too over the top. Uh, the Nymon weren't very threatening, had a very bland design, and I thought they had a very weird voice. The, set, the sets were very generic and pretty dull, uh, and there wasn't really anything engaging in this story, so I'm going to give it a 3 out of 10. I'll see you guys next time. Bye! Oh dear, James. A three. It's getting worse. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> uh, so that's our audio clips. Thank you so much, guys, for taking the I time. I love the audio clips. Yeah, they're so cool. It, and it's we really appreciate it because it's really nice to have those drop in the inbox. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, you got another audio clip. And I promise I do listen to all of them, even before I have to do any editing and stuff like that. And then we listen to them again on the show. So it's really cool that you take the time to, uh, uh, to record those and send them in. So thank you very much. Uh, as I said, I completely forgot to put a post out because we were a bit um, all over the place last week. So I'm very sorry. I assume, as you didn't either, mate, you haven't got any comments from anybody. No, 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 I did. I, I did, did put one out. Yeah. No. Sorry, I meant I would have um, I would have put one out on the podcast. I just ah, hadn't right. noticed it wasn't there. But yeah, I did put one out. So I got a couple of comments. Um, uh, Gavrick Sawyer. That's a good name, isn't it? Gavrick. Gavrick. Sounds like. Nice. Sounds like Gavrop. Um, says, uh, I just watched it for the first time on my full classic Who rewatch. Tom is high as hell. <laughs> is he? Uh, Soul Deed <laughs> is almost as mental, and the Nymons walk like drunk toddlers. The story is quite <laughs> compelling, though, so 7 out of 10. I would definitely recommend it to experienced Whovians, but it definitely isn't a story for newcomers. Yes, that's a very good point. Uh, Kevin Mullen says, Despite its pantomime performances from everybody involved, with the exception of the wonderful Lala Ward, there is much to enjoy, although it's obvious that tom was given carte blanche to do whatever he wants uh, to the de- deterioration of the drama one thing the nymon have going for them is their incredible voices and the idea of spaced locusts moving from planet to planet draining the resources is an excellent one so uh, kevin gives it a 6.5 out of 10 Dean Jones says it's very average. Tom and Lala are great. The rest of the performances are decent enough, but the characters aren't that interesting. The production values are lackluster, which is a shame since certain props and costumes are well made. The story itself is okay. He just didn't find it very engaging. Not bad, but not great either. Dean gives it 5 out of 10. Uh, Martin Arnold, this season never seems to be a fan favourite, but for me it contains my earliest memories of the show. Uh, He says he would have been six when this was broadcast, so if only for nostalgia reasons, he gives it an eight out of ten. He says, uh, I've always had a soft spot spot for Greek myths, and I think despite the low production values uh, in the form of noisy flooring, it really works. Uh, Soul Deed is deliciously over the top. Um, he says cheers and welcome back I knew somebody out there would love Soul Deed I'm sure lots of people do and uh, two more comments Uh, Charlie Turner just says sigh okay this story is weak used to be my least favourite of Tom Baker um, before he completed the Sunmakers Uh, unfortunately he doesn't like Horns and Iron so he gives it a 2.5 out of 10 he says nothing more nothing less says Charlie, just telling us straight. And finally, Jace House says, uh, despite poor Nyman costumes and some outrageous overacting, he thinks it's a cracking little story. So, there you go. It's a bit of a mixed bag, isn't it, this one? Okie dokie. Yeah. It's a but mixed it's bag. Not bad. It's, not, it's not one that gets, I don't think it gets slayed, though. 
There's nobody here that's really hated it, is there? Apart from Charlie. Yeah, Charlie. Yeah, apart from old Charlie. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think it gets slayed. Um, However, um, we've had real mixed bags in the past where you've had people giving things a 10 and other people Mm. giving the same story a 3 and stuff like that. I think this one, it doesn't get any higher than, what, a 6 or a 7? True, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's definitely, we can safely say this one's a true run-of-the-mill, mediocre Middle of the road. How many other? What other? What other verbs can we use? That I don't know. Anyway, adjective. Sorry, <laughs> we can give this one. I don't know, but yeah, definitely middle of the road. Yeah. So thank you. Apologies again. I, I, I suck last week at, at stuff. Um, however, we'll need to make sure that um, my A game is strong for next week because we have an important review next week. We've come to the end of the road. For a certain doctor. So next week, dude, what are we going to review? Yeah, so we've just wrapped up the Capaldi era. So now we're going to be wrapping up the ninth Doctor era. Um, so we'll be doing Bad Wolf <laughs> next week. Uh, and then the following week, we will do Parting of the Ways. So we will wrap up the ninth Doctor reviews uh, next week with those two. Yeah. So starting with Bad Wolf. So Bad Wolf next week. Yeah, so no alternate for the next couple of weeks. It's um, Eccleston for the next two weeks. And yeah. I knew this day would come. Mm. I knew this day would come, but it doesn't make it any easier. It's such a shame that Eccleston didn't do more Doctor Who because now we've run out of episodes for him to review. Yeah. So, and we we thought, didn't we, that it's best to do these two together because they're a two-parter, and they, yeah, you know, it'd be weird to do this and then three months or four months later do the the next part. So, that's it. Yeah. So, Bad Wolf to look out for the um Facebook stuff and and all that to get your thoughts in on that one. And I think we're going to do there for 157. Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much for welcoming us back and sticking with us for episode 157. It's been awesome to be back behind the microphone <laughs> and uh, going through all the stuff, all the news and merch, <laughs> to our review of The Horns of Nymon. Mm. Uh, if you're looking for recommendations, probably don't pick this one up first. If you're looking to dive into the fourth Doctor's era, or maybe pick this one up first as a warm-up before you get onto the good stuff. Yeah, depends on how you look at it, I suppose. Uh, but yeah, thank you again for sending in your 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 reviews, your audio clips, and so on. Next week, Bad Wolf, as we close out our era of the Ninth Doctor, Mister E, Mister Eccleston. Mm. I've not seen this one in a little while. I have seen it multiple times. I think I've watched this two-parter maybe four or five times over the last few years but I haven't seen it in a while though so it's going to be great to stick that back on yes and give that a watch I'm looking forward to seeing a bit of Nine and Rose yep so head over to the website www.bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk you can listen to all of our previous episodes on there Uh, plus you can link off to all of the social platforms and give us a like and a follow because we're always active on those having a chat with other Who fans and updates and so on uh, also check out the website the website check out the podcasts on iTunes 
if you're an iTunes listener, um, a review and a rating would be awesome if you've got two minutes. That really helps us out a lot. Um, plus, we're on all the other podcast platforms and directories and so on to give us a, a subscribe. Remember to check out Adam's channel, The Geek's Handbag. Oh, yes, indeed. The Geek's Handbag. Just search for that on YouTube. Give him a subscribe and all that jazz. Awesome, awesome stuff from Adam and his videos. <laughs> so we will see you next week for episode uh, 158. That's the one. That's the one, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking 157. Nope, we've just literally done that one. So 158 next week. We look forward to seeing you then. Until then, my name's Gary. My name's Adam. And remember, and...